Ladies and gentlemen, jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Yeah, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Hey, welcome back. Hey, we're back. We're back from we're back from Chicago. That's right, Chicago. Yes, it is. It could be. It could be. You know, Doctor Ted, right? Doctor Ted Brower. Uh, it's it's good to be back on. Uh, uh, it's good to be back here in uh, in our at our studios. And I just want to say this: we had uh, we had such a a great. You know, we met so many great people in Chicago. It was just fabulous. Uh, Pastor Paul Begley, Awaken to the Shaken. Uh, we had a we, we had a great crowd uh, Friday and Saturday, and it was just fantastic. Uh, thanks for it. Thanks to everyone we met. I mean, we were humbled. I certainly was humbled by by the uh, by the response and by the people and by by everyone there. It was it was just a, a great crowd, and you know, uh, Pastor or well, Russ Isdar. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Did he ever do a well? He did a fantastic. He does a fantastic job all the time. But I was absolutely riveted by him, and so was Joe. And um, uh, Joe did a really great great presentation as well. And uh, wow! In, in the meantime, I you know, wow, um, just wow, just wow. Yeah, I better turn this off, right? Do you like those dings? Um, that's what happens when you travel. You, you know, you, you come back and things aren't, aren't, aren't quite right, you know, with, with everything. <clears throat> Just the, the fact that I set this up earlier and hey, you know how it goes. I spent about 20 minutes looking for my, uh, looking for my, my deodorant today. Thinking, oh, okay, I, I packed it, I know. Coming back from Chicago, a little personal. Sorry about that, but but you know, you know, you get really messed up when you when you travel, right? Oh yeah. Anyway, it's good to be back. Uh, hey, France. Hello. Anyone seen France lately? We're going to be talking about France as well. We we've got a great show lined up for you today as well. We've got uh, here's the layout. Gerald Salenti is going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour, and then of course we've got. Uh, uh, Inspector Miker uh, from the RCMP talking about some interesting uh, current events with respect to the uh, well, the, the financial crimes among other things, the things that are taking place all across the world. It's going to be a very interesting, very interesting uh, show. But again, my, my thanks to all of you who did show up at Chicago, and uh, I was just absolutely amazed by. I, I was, I was. You folks are great. You really are. I mean, it's, it's, it's. You guys are the best. Portionless broadcast brought to you by Policy Genius. That's right. Many people think you know life insurance is it's too expensive for them, right? Or, or many people don't have life insurance. Did you know that the uh, uh, amazing facts with respect to the policy or with respect to life insurance? Uh, it's so many people don't have life insurance. Well. We have the solution for you. PolicyGenius.com. 
Folks, go to policygenius.com. Let me spell it for you. That's P-O-L-I-C-Y-G-E-N-I-U-S.com. You can save over 40% off other prices for, uh, for life insurance. And they've got other products as well. But uh, this is where we go for life insurance. That's policygenius.com. Interesting. Interesting that uh, many people don't have life insurance. And that causes financial devastation to families. It really does. Prepare. Prepare, prepare, prepare. And, you know, I'm interested to know, I'm kind of wondering what you folks think about France. I know that we've seen so much news. When we were coming back from Chicago and wrapping up Chicago, we were looking at the various news feeds. To see the – I was looking at Eric the Tech over here. By the way, I want to thank Stephen Menking and – Randall Terry. Randall Terry. Ted Brewer, Sheila Zelensky. Wait, wait a second. I gotta, I gotta say this. Randall Terry and, uh, Stephen Making did one bang up job. Uh, we were, we were in the parking lot that's known as the Skyway, uh, in Chicago and listening yeah, to Yeah, folks, don't ever drive through Chicago during rush hour. Don't ever drive through Chicago, period. My goodness. We were, turned a, turned a seven and a half hour drive into a ten hour drive just because, you know, we didn't leave at the time we wanted to, we 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 planned on a time to leave, um, and we wanted to get you know into Chicago by three o'clock and and on the other side, didn't work out. We didn't get there till about four four fifteen, five maybe, and we didn't get out of there till about seven thirty. Yeah, um, and it was you know you're talking about a matter of ten miles uh, over oh. two hours. Y- yeah, and so that was fun. Yeah, it was we as we sat there, we had our uh, vehicle graffitied our our. Uh, Rims stolen, uh, hubcaps stolen, and, um, you know, I'm kidding, of course, but it was, it was, it was something. Uh, any, anyone, uh, anyone there? Uh, anyone in our, I, I'm not monitoring chat, I, I, I can't see chat, but I'm just wondering if anyone in the chat room, that's a fix to our YouTube, it, it was, you know, we Chicago. met somebody in Chicago who, who's in the chat regularly, Ms. Right. ZD. Right. Um, got a chance to talk with her. As you go, when you go to every conference, you meet all kinds of listeners and, and, you know, one thing that's interesting about, um, doing these is some people travel from very far away. No matter where you go, they'll come there. And that's awesome. <laughs> you know, another thing that's really awesome about it is, you know, um, like in Dallas or in Florida, you get a, a majority of people who are just from that surrounding area. And Chicago, uh, Wisconsin was no different. They were, what about eighty-five percent of the people that were there? Illinois and uh, well, Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, here's here's my concern. There's nine point four million people in the greater Chicago area, and my question is, why didn't you know? Why wasn't there like you know nine thousand people um, signed up or you know wanting to register? And, and the the reason is that's not taking anything away from the people that were there. The way I look at it is this, and, and folks, you can. Um, it's it's up to you, but my view on the is this: um, we don't we don't do these conferences very often. We just don't. We just it, it's for a lot of reasons we just don't do them. Um, but having said that, when we were there, the people who were there to me represent the people who really care. That's not to say that if you weren't there, you don't care because there's a lot of things happen. You know, travel. I can't can't get there. It's scheduled. We we understand all of that, but. Um, the um, the number of people, the, the, everyone there, represented to me, just a, uh, a a real caring 
individual that that really cared about things and really wants you know wants the truth. And I just I, I, I everyone I met to me was was just I don't know I, I very near and dear to my heart. So and, and you know it's something when someone comes up to you and say you know we listen to your show and they and we try to talk to everybody we really do. Um, and they're so kind. You're so kind. Each and every one of you are kind. Also, uh, portion of this broadcast brought to you by Sherry's Berries. We're going to have a contest, uh, Sherry's Berries. Stick to, stick around to 930. We are going to be giving away, uh, four, uh, certificates, gift certificates for Sherry's Berries. Okay. It's going to be fun. And we're going to have like a little contest at the end of the show. Oh, it's going to be fun. Sherry's Berries. Go to Berries, B-E-R-R-I-E-S, Berries.com, Berries.com. They're a great company. They really are. You'll love their their uh, chocolate covered strawberries and oh, other berries. It's berries dot com. B e r r i e s. And of course, John Robertson. Uh, another announcement, and then we're going to get the finish it, get to the news here. John Robertson is in studio. Not right at the moment. Not at the, at this moment, but he's in our town. He's with us. And, uh, we're doubling down. The message I, I want to give to each and every one of you listening, the message I want to give to the people who are, have, are, say that there are enemies, the people who have, who are involved in, shall we say, the New World Order agenda, advancing the New World Order agenda, the people who are attempting to take us off the air, not just us, but all of the the uh, uh, conservative talk shows, uh, whether it's us, Infowars, Hodges, uh, I mean, you name, you know, insert show name here. I have a message for all of you. We're coming for you. We're coming for you. We're coming for you. It's not a threat. It's a promise. We are coming for you. And trust me when I tell you, we are locked, loaded, and serious. You're going to see some things change here. Our mandate has changed. We're not going to, we're not going to, you're not going to be slapped around anymore. No, no, no way in the world. And we, as far as I'm concerned, we, for the listeners of this show, we are your voice. For the people in the chat room, we are your voice. For the people who are part of the conservative movement, we are your voice. For the people who give a damn, we are your voice. We are going to come after the people who have these these children in cages. It exists. It's real. I don't care how much you want to wish it away or how much you think, well, Christians shouldn't. Oh, I'm just going to pray it away. Bull crap. We are coming after you. I'm going to be... I'm going to be publishing a few things, and we we we, we met with uh, Craig Sawyer, you know, the sawman, in in Chicago. Landscape's going to change, my friends. I mean, Craig Sawyer, he won't tell you this. He's a Navy SEAL expert. At, at, you give him a Kleenex and a, and a and a straw, he'll kill you five different ways with with either one of them. But I'll tell you one thing, that doesn't matter. He's got a heart for God. He's got a heart for what's right and what's true. And he's got a heart for the children who are being uh, molested and held captive. But, but I guarantee you this, 
we are not going to be silenced. We're not going to be. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I looked in the eyes of people, and Joe, you did too, in the eyes of people that are in, the, in uh, where were we? Chicago. I was going to say D.C., but Chicago. There's some hurting people. We will be your voice. All right. Um, Let's yeah. go back to the French election real quick. Let's do that. Um, some interesting statistics and, and things that I want to get into. As many of you know, as my, my dad already said, that Macron has won. Now, I'm sure we're going to hear more about these types of things in the days to come. It's a little early. Um, there's some people that are saying that the French elections were stolen. What I'm looking at is not evidence of a stolen election, but maybe a manipulation of some votes. Uh, in France, they do a number of ballots that are mailed. And if the ballot, the mailed ballot has any damage on them, then they are not allowed to be counted. I'm looking at a picture, um, tears on the ballots and, and they have the, the name. If you mail your ballot in, you, the name of who you're voting for is on the front of your, envelope and there's no other information on there and I'm sure there's something inside or these are in the envelopes but anyway um, you know tears and different things they, also there's a talk that Macron had a number of uh, 500,000 ballots that um, they didn't plan on sending out there were extra but they were nowhere to be found after the election but he won by 10 million votes that's why I don't know as I said you're going to hear more about this coming out in the days maybe weeks to come but what I find interesting is the the terror attack history in France in the last few years. And there's been a number of articles that have been done on this, but um, after six deadly Islamist attacks and 130 deaths in three years, Paris votes 90% for Macron. And this article from the Gateway Pundit goes through not only when these terror attacks took place, but, you know, uh, the dates, how many uh, deaths, how many injuries... And since January 2nd of 2015, there have been 238 dead people and almost 900 injured directly related to terrorist attacks. Most of them are stabbings. You have some shootings. It starts with the Charlie Hebdo attacks, and it goes on from there. But, um, you know, yesterday there were Muslims praying in the streets over the Le Pen loss. That's got to tell you a lot. Uh, many people are, are disappointed. They don't understand how it, how it went so wrong with the election. But, you know, this is um, this is the way it is. So it will be interesting to see yeah. how long until the next terror attack in France. Well, it's everyone's got to understand what uh, what this election means, in my view, anyway. Uh, with with the victory there or the defeat of the nationalist uh, 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 candidate, France has just said, or the people of France have said, okay, uh, we're willing to be assimilated or or just be invaded um, and be occupied. I mean, th- this to me, this is the white flag of surrender. Um, the mental. Illness, I believe that this represents, or at least the maybe maybe that's too harsh. In reality, it is the um, 
It is the pollution of one's thought process with the lies of the uh, corporate media. This is the result of that. I, I happen to catch uh, some MSNBC, um, some coverage from MSNBC, and it's amazing to see the joy that they're finding in this this alien invasion in of Europe and the the anticipation for for America this to happen in America continuing to happen in America you might think well what does France have to do with anything in America Europe of course uh, what happens in Europe it's it usually makes its way here um, just I, you know I I don't even know what to say about this show about the French the, the French I really don't know what more can be said and that, that, that's my that's where I'm at what more can we say Joe about this Nothing more, really. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, and I, I don't know. I believe I saw the final percentage tally today, and it, I believe he won by um, the final percentage of, of Macron's vote was sixty six point zero six percent. Some are saying, you know, oh, that's a that's a sign, and um, you know, that's something that these globalists are doing. Uh, you know, purposely putting that number there, showing that the destruction of France and the destruction of Europe through this infiltration and, and uh, through the, the immigration and the open borders is what they're going for. Now, it can't be denied that with these open borders policies, with these you know mass migration, uh, globalist uh, tactics that they're using, the increase in terror attacks have to be directly related to the a change in the culture and the uh, immigrant immigration population being brought in. Okay, uh, here's the bottom line, I believe, Joe, if I can say this. And, and Pastor sure. Bill Randalls had said this very well. The once relatively strong nations have been weakened and perhaps fatally through the ongoing injection of hostile, angry, incompatible hordes of Muslims, most of whom immediately go on the public dole forcing European taxpayers to support those who hate them and everything that they stand for. This is what the New World Order, uh, Democrat, progressive, communist idiots want for every country and in this country. This is what they are, um, this is what they're after, and this is what they got. You know, and again, uh, uh, citing Pastor Bill Randall's, uh, if you, you could search him on the Internet, Marie Le Pen gained almost 35%. Of uh, the vote in the recent elections in France. Now, this, in spite of the incredible level of demonization she was subjected to by the world press, and she got that. You, you notice how the print media and the corporate media has demonized the, the, the people, the national, the people who have national pride and who care about borders, language, language, and culture. According to, um, I'm citing, of course, um, Dr. Michael Savage. The French press, the capable media, the world elite, and of course the collusion of nearly all of the other candidates running in the election. She ran against incredible odds. 35% of French chose her. They want change. They feel the need for security. They want borders and some degree of national sovereignty, as we do as well. They have had enough of the Islamic invasion, as we have had enough of this Islamic invasion. The international globalist elite, they're, I'm sure, and quoting Pastor Bill Randalls as, as well. They're, they're breathing a sigh of relief, but this result shows that there are cracks. The 35%, um, 
shows that there are crowds widening in Europe, in the European Union. And you know, people talk about the civil war coming here, coming to this country, and I believe there will be one. It's just a matter of if or time or when, not if. There's a growing groundswell of, of the French who do not want to, uh, say goodbye to their culture. And with this, the election of this, uh, globalist, I'm sure will. The, uh, international globalist elite, uh, again, breathing this sigh of relief now. Oh, good. And, and Bill Randall's pastor, he cites the, uh, Daniel 2 chapter, or cha- Daniel chapter 2 verses 40 to 43. I'm not going to read that. You can look it up in your Bibles, but at the time of the Gentiles, uh, is referenced. It's, it's a good article that, uh, was published on May 8th, which is today for those, uh, calendar challenged. And it's, it's a, it's a great article. So. I was calendar challenged today. We were talking down and yeah, the hour difference really screws you up. Okay, and John, poor John, uh, you <laughs> yeah. know, he's three o'clock in the morning and he's tweeting out stuff. John, it's three a.m. You, you know, you're not in in Seattle. You're you're in, on the East Coast. Okay, and John's walking around saying, "Where am I? Where am I?" In Chicago, it's like two hour, two hours difference. He's he's okay. He, he only walked in the one wall. I, I walk in them naturally. But anyway, but, but, you know, coming here, it's like, uh, so he sits, sits down and he says, uh, okay, what day, what day is this and what time? But, you know, three o'clock in the morning, he's, he's, I hear this noise. Cause he's say with us. And I hear this noise. Making toast. <laughs> Making toast. Well, with those hours, he can stay. Three o'clock and stay with you. He's tweeting stuff out at three thirty. So I got up and joined him. We sat in the balcony overlooking the, uh, vast, uh, in-ground pool and the vast, uh, property, expensive property. We are, the guards came out and, yeah. you know. <laughs> Folks, we got a, a great guest coming up. Gerald Salente will be joining us after the break. Um, many of you know him. He is a, a researcher, uh, who, who deals in trends. He's a financial guy and the trendsresearch.com is his website trendsresearch.com he's an American trend forecaster publisher of the trends journal business consultant and author who makes predictions about the global and national financial markets He uh, he's going to be coming on the show we're going to be talking with him in the next segment so and then we got um, you think <laughs> I'm having a hard time no, I'm having a hard time readjusting we still got the uh, I don't be know. kind to us ladies and gentlemen Please. it's weird a lot of changes uh uh, working with a new computer here. Don't have my email up yet. We were, uh, doing yeah, some. That's your, that's your excuse, right? And then we, we got, we got back, you know, last night, <clears throat> had time to sleep or whatever, and then we were back up at it today, working oh, out of the man. studio. So we haven't really had time to decompress or, or just, uh, no. I guess when the weekend comes, next, this next weekend we can do that. Thanks to Dr. Ted Brower, his son Austin for Friday's, uh, the like Friday show. And of course, thanks to, I think once, once more, thanks to Stephen Manking and Randall Terry for, uh, taking the Thursday show. Uh, you guys were great. Again, fantastic. Um, thank you. Um, now, uh, and I, I actually enjoyed listening to, uh, the, the <laughs> opening that Randall Terry, oh, he um, kicked some butt, didn't he? Yeah, he really did. Uh, he had us intensely listening as we were, in the car and you know he he talked about how it was a mistake how the insurance companies you know make their how the, how the insurance um world works with the insurance companies taking your money and paying out money for, for claims and 
Yeah, that was very good. And, and Men King was awesome too. I know he had some audio issues in the beginning, but those got cleared up and, and then, uh, Ted Brewer and Austin Brewer, always, uh, always very good. They're hosts here on Global Star Radio Network. Well, I, I had to give Eric a dressing down because there, there's a 45 caliber hole in, in the wall, uh, next to his desk. Now, I'm one of the only one allowed to, to, to shoot off weapons in the office or in the studio out of anger. But apparently something happened. I'm not sure which day or what happened, but there's a, there's a hole in the wall. And, uh, yeah, you know, Eric's denying it, but, uh, ballistics, uh, that'll tell the tale. Absolutely. Um, folks, go to hagmanreport.com. And, uh, it was a little rough while we were traveling to, to keep up with the site, but, uh, we have updated it and we're going to continue to do so. Stephen Menking posted an article there this morning. I'm going to pull this up right now. And thanks for putting that on the screen, Eric. Hagmanreport.com is our website for news and information, as well as the show, daily show descriptions and weekly, um, show rundown. And, um, almost there. Yeah. Menking posted an article. Maybe we, um, maybe there was a, a change in the, uh, the website or, there, well, the, yeah. Well, well, no, I was on it this morning and it wasn't, it wasn't like this. But yeah, we're, we're folks, we're, um, we're, we're revamping uh, the website. I know we were going to get a new, new mandate. I'm going to tell you right now, new mandate, new purpose. Okay. We have new blood. We are pushing forward. This is, we're putting all of the people on notice. And, and I'm going to tell you something. We, to, to those, we have not, you know, we did not draw first blood. You did. So the uh, James Clapper and Sally Yates testified in front of Congress today. And for those of you who don't remember, um, Yates, who was fired for her refusal to back the president's controversial immigration order, uh, gave her account to Congress today in regards to the National Security Advisor Michael Flynn as well as uh, Clapper. Clapper was asked if he was the anonymous leak for uh, the Hillary Clinton DNC information, which he said no. But we're going to have more on... Yeah, he admitted uh, it all. <laughs> we're going to have more on, on this later, on their testimony, um, as some of the news from that is still breaking. But uh, there's some interesting tidbits that, that folks need to hear. So when we come back, we're going to be joined by Gerald Salente. Again, his website is trendsresearch.com. That's trendsresearch.com. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Wink Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. Uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniban Rocket Stove is a biomass burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniban Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We've got a treat for you. One of my favorite people, favorite uh, economic forecasters in the entire, on the, on the planet. And, and that's not, I'm not, this is not false. This is Gerald Salenti. Gerald Salenti is uh, trendsresearch.com. That's trendsresearch.com. He has been um, delivering forecasts and uh, multiple analyses across multiple platforms uh, for what, since uh, 1980. Yeah, since 1980. And, and I was, it was interesting because I, uh, Joe, uh, very quickly, I, I happened to see we had a, a an old trends journal, uh, from, I think this was from 2012, maybe 2013. I, I can't remember the date. And I looked at it, I was reading it, and, and, uh, everything that was in that edition, he nailed it. Nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. And, uh, I should do an article on that because it, it, it's it's phenomenal. So if you want to be ahead of the curve, here's what you need to do. You need to go to you need to go to trendsresearch. dot uh, com. That's trendsresearch. dot com. And don't just stop with the trends journal. Check out the yeah. the books that he's written. Absolutely. Um, 
definitely uh, very interesting in the interviews. There's a lot, if you see uh, on our screen, on if you're watching on YouTube, that's a, that's the Gerald Salente's website, Trends Journal, or Trends Research. And on the left-hand side, he's got interviews, TV trends, I mean, just all kinds of content, folks. Not only go to his website and bookmark it, but, but um, if, if you can, subscribe to his website. It's a great tool to have. Um, you know, he's been giving excellent uh, and, and very successful forecasting strategies for a long time. You know, I would say this: the, the, the perhaps the best value of, of the Trends Journal, and he, and he is a mark down here uh, for three years, two hundred twenty-five dollars, ninety-nine dollars a year. You cannot not afford, to, folks. You cannot not afford to have this. Uh, trust me when I tell you, the information is invaluable, especially at that price. And if you're disabled, if you're uh, if you're financially strapped, disabled, or whatever. Um, Click on the the special link there underneath the and, and you, you'll you'll see it if, and, and maybe they can work something out with you. But with no without any further ado, Gerald Salani. Gerald, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm going to open this up by asking you, France. What's going France. on there, France? White well, flag or what? Thank thank you very much for that wonderful introduction. Very kind of both of you. Thank you. Um, France. They just elected Obama, and as you well know, I'm a political atheist. That's, by the way, we attribute a lot of the success of what we do because we look at things for the way they are, not the way we want them to be. So when you go to a doctor, you get a diagnosis. You don't care if it's <laughs> race, creed, color. You want the diagnosis. So we just give the diagnosis. So France just elected their Obama, 39-year-old guy who has experience in nothing other than, and this is no conspiracy theory, He's one of the Rothschild boys, a uh, member of the Rothschild banking system, uh, no credentials at all, BS'd his way into office. As I said, they just elected an Obama. But the most interesting aspect, two of them, interesting, is that, number one, that he just began this party about a year ago. And it shows Americans that, no, we don't have to be beholden to the two-headed one-party system. People like to call the Democrats and Republicans. I prefer to call them the Bloods and the Crips, considering the amount of murder and thievery both of them have you know, been, been involved in with facts you know, over the years. So it shows you the opportunity. Number two is that these populist movements in Europe are fading out because of the people that are fronting them. So you just had an election recently in, in the Netherlands with uh, Gert Wilders, and he went off on, on a tangent, and so did Le Pen. So the people are looking for the change, and that's one of the reasons we had forecast in the Trends Journal back in May of 2016 that, uh, that Trump would win. It wasn't the messenger, it's the message. And people are looking for a different message. But going back to the election with Macron in, 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 uh, in France, you look at, it's very similar in ways to our election where you had both candidates in the United States with negative ratings in the 60 percentile. And that was before and, 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 and as people left the polls. And the same thing in France. You just had an election. They had the lowest turnout since 1969. 12% of the people kept the ballots blank. They voted for nobody. And what this guy's doing, by the way, is I said, it's just putting the Rothschilds 
giving that whole European Euro group, the, the Euro, you know, the, the deal with the Euro, um, the currency, more strength. And he's also building up the military, building, keeping the place into a police state. And I have to tell you, I always get, you look at this guy, this guy couldn't fight his way out of a paper bag. And he's talking about how he's going to protect the country. I can't stand guys like this. What they're going to do is they're going to turn the joint in more into a police state. So that's what the election's about. Um, Mr. Salente, since we're uh, talking about France and we see that there, uh, there are some interesting uh, numbers on Drudge today that, that show um, the amount of terror attacks, six terror attacks in the last uh, three years with, with 280-some dead, over 800 injured. Are you, do we expect to see, um, you know, another these terrorist attacks continue? Yesterday we were told that there were Muslims praying in the streets, you know, uh, celebrating that they were happy that, you know, the, the nationalist and, and Nazi Marie Le Pen didn't win. Um, do you expect to see something sooner than later in France, or, or do you believe that they'll give a little bit of room for the new government? Not that they care, but... Uh, no, well, again, you know, uh, let's go back to... When, when were we afraid of ISIS? When, when did all this happen? Does anybody talk about the cause and effect? So let's suppose we're Iraqis. And we live in this country that was just bombed into smithereens because of lies that our leader had weapons of mass destruction and ties to Al-Qaeda. We're young guys. Over a million people are dead. Everybody we love is dead. We have no future. Our country is destroyed. You think we become radicalized? Now let's go to France. They can't get over their, their imperialist colonization trip. Go back to our trends journals back to 2012. Another little kid invaded the country over there, 2012, 2013. I'm not sure which year. Mali. We gotta stop them terrorists. Oh, you mean you're not over there because of, you need the uranium because you have more nuclear power than any other country? And you're controlling the, the, in Niger, you're controlling, on the border of Mali, you're controlling all the uranium? And then you read in the Trends Journal, after France attacked there, and they slaughtered hundreds of people, they said, we're going to get even with you. We wrote about it in detail. As a matter of fact, it was even reported in the New York Times, which I refer to as the, they call themselves the paper of record. I prefer the toilet paper of record because of the propaganda they put out. But here they even reported, you're going to get blowback from this. What right do you have to go into a foreign country? So as long as they keep staying, these countries, including the United States, invading other countries, bombing them the hell out of them, killing people, guess what? They're going to call it terror strikes. Where I come from, they call it getting even. And that's what they're doing in France. And again, you have these, you have these laws. You know, I have to tell you, everybody, I'm, I'm only 15 minutes away from Woodstock, New York. We're in Colonial Kingston just a bit south of it. And it's filled with these quiche-eating grin liberals with their balsamic smile. And they talk about how we have to open the borders for immigration. And I say to them, why don't you all take the door off the front of your house and let everybody in that you want? 
You want people to come in? You feed them, you clothe them, you pay for their education and health care. Don't ask me to do it. Let's go back to France. How did they get all these people in there? It couldn't have been the wars they waged in Algeria that flooded people in. And now they're doing it again. So what I'm saying is the leaders, if we want to call them that, are destroying their countries. And it's global. And it's getting worse. And we're at a breaking point of it. You know, that was, by the way, folks, that was the issue that you cited. And, again, I don't have it. It's in my office. But but uh, you, you nailed that with respect to uh, Mali and and such, but uh, thank you for that. Uh, all right, so, so that that's France, that's Europe, uh, Mr. Salani. What about the United States here? I, we only have a, you know one segment here with you. Um, what do you see taking place? We, we've got Trump in office. You called that too, as you said. You called that back if if you were a trend subscriber, folks. You've seen that coming back in May. What do you see? What do you see taking place here in the U.S. economically and uh, as a blowback for some of the things that we see taking place? Uh, uh, geopolitically and uh, domestically with respect to the politics of Donald Trump and uh, the an- antagonism uh, that uh, is being waged against him. We see, we, we did a 180 right after Trump got elected and we became more positive on the economy and negative on gold. And I've been very positive on gold because the dollar is going to get stronger, will continue to, although it's in a little downdrift now compared to the rest of the world's currencies and economies, the United States is, again, we're not going to be booming, but we're doing better. And um, you're starting to see it in some of the numbers. So we don't look at a very, we look at a market correction. The market shot up, you know, it's over 10%. And it's it's going to correct, but we don't see a crash. On On the geopolitical front, it's a mixed message. And one of the issues is that is the White House is filled with generals. Uh, whether it's, um, you know, the head of the Defense Department, filled with military contractors, the administration. So th- th- on that level, we're a bit concerned. Uh, Trump said one thing as candidate Trump, and then as we saw him as President Trump, 59 missiles going into Syria, and the mother of all bombs going off in Afghanistan, and now they're talking about continuing that war as well. So on the war front, we don't see it very positive, but we don't know because we're getting mixed messages again. They're having this safe zone in, in Syria, and it appears that the United States may go along with it. And so that's a positive. And again, on the economy, again, uh, it's not whether we like it or dislike it. It's better for business. It's not may, may not necessarily be better for all of us, but it's going to improve the business climate under under Trump, and it's showing it already with the strength of the stock markets. Remember, I mean, what is this? We're in May, Uh, so that's what? Uh, December, January, February, March, April, May? We have six months of a a booming stock market? That's not a fluke. And positive, the the real job numbers, it does appear that we've got uh, positive growth in the um, employment sectors all, all across the board. Um, so, so well, it, well, there's a problem though with the with the job numbers, and that is that the jobs being created, most of them. You look at the last numbers; they're in healthcare, and I love the term they use, hospitality sector. Oh, you mean a waiter and a waitress and somebody making beds in a hotel? So we don't have high-paying jobs, 
and, and going back to the economy and being better for, for corporations, their, their earnings are way up. Profits are good. But real wages have only gone up 2.5%. And when you look at the real inflation rate, not the one they rigged on the Clinton, which isn't a real inflation rate for we the people, it's, it's either flat or low. So yes, we're, more people are employed. But here's some numbers. Since Obama got elected, 95% of the jobs created, excuse me, 94% of the jobs created, according to a Harvard-Princeton study, are temporary jobs. And then you look at the wage, the, the, the wealth created under Obama to now, 95% of the wealth, depending on whose numbers you're looking at, either went to the 1% or the top 5%. So yes, we have more employment. Here's another number. 51% of the people working full-time are earning $30,000 a year or less. Wow. And, wow. Uh, uh, back, back to the jobs uh, numbers, Mr. Salente. Do you believe that that is due to the confidence that Trump is in, in the administration is going to continue to ease business regulations and, um, you know, keep a, a a stranglehold you mean on the, the, the favorable economic uh, numbers, yeah, yeah, the, the favorable, job numbers. Yeah, the, the favorable. Is that confidence in Trump, or is, is he doing something to um, actually uh, help these changes along? Is that, the in other words, I, I would ask, is that is that kind of a flavor of irrational exuberance, to quote someone? Yes and no, uh, in the sense that consumer confidence is high, small business confidence is high, but then you see, you know, the news again. You know, the current events, forming future trends. Infosys, for instance, the the, the Indian company says so they're going to invest, you know, a couple of hundred million. Uh, either Apple or one of the Microsoft, I forgot which one, says so they're going to invest a billion. You know, you, you, these are positive elements, and so that has an effect. You know, it, it, emotions count, but so too do deeds. So yes, there's an artificial buildup. But there's a base for it. And again, renegotiating these trade deals. They have to be renegotiated. You know, when, when Johnson was president, they had a thing called the chicken tax. The United States was flooding Germany with cheap chicken. So they put a tax on them. And then Johnson said, we're going to put a tax on your Volkswagens coming in here, Volkswagen buses. In there. there was a 23% tax. That didn't stop them from coming in. But it gave a level playing field. And then when Clinton came in, he took off those taxes with NAFTA. So the Chinese are about business. They're going to renegotiate these deals. You know, there's a big lie going on in China. As a matter of fact, there's one of our top trends, buy and sell China. People should watch what's going on there. They're buying up the world. And, and But if you want to export your cars made in the United States into China, you're hit with, like I think, a 25% tax. But we'll make a deal with you. You make your cars over here. Oh, no, but you can't open up your own firm. You have to go in partners with one of our buddies. Oh, and you can't own a majority. You have to be a 49% max owner with aircraft, with technology, with everything. China was making junk clothes. Now they're making airplanes. They're making electric cars. They, they gave our technology away for a buck. So what I'm saying is you got a guy like Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary. Would I want to do business with Wilbur Ross? No way. But would I want him representing me? You bet. So these are positives. Good. Good. Okay. 
All right. So, so your outlook in general from what, from just the last uh, five months is somewhat positive is what I'm getting in terms of the economic uh, aspect and uh, Donald Trump, the businessman deal maker. Right? Is that is that yes? Kind of, okay. More, more, much more positive than it had. Again, we were going negative with the economy and strong on gold. We did a 185 days after Trump got elected. I said to our crew, I said, "No, this is real." I said, "I've been around long enough. This vibe is strong." And again, here we are now. Today, for example, throughout it, it came down a little lower, but both the Nasdaq and the Dow hit new highs. And, and, and do you expect that to? to Barring anything that, uh, um, well, do you, do you expect that to continue um, generally until something else happens? I mean, uh, what a, what a, that's a that's an interesting question. But uh, the the, the we trend. Expect a, yeah. We expect a correction. There's no question about okay. it. But we don't see a crash unless there's a wild card. Okay. You know, a war, whatever. You know, something like that. But we don't see a crash. No. Good. We see a correction. And again, it's very important. I was talking about China. There's something in our business we call a Dr. Copper. Copper is like a PhD when you're looking at the economy. China gobbles up 40% of the world's copper. Copper is now on a, God, it's been really getting hit hard lately. That's a signal. Because you use copper in just about everything. You know, automobiles, technology, on and on and on. Housing. Commercial, residential. So when copper prices start getting hit, our alarm goes up. And another one is iron ore. Again, the prices are being knocked out bad. And then China just came out uh, yesterday with their GDP, uh, with their uh, import-export numbers. They were below expectations. This is the world's second largest economy. So there's going to be a global slowdown as we see it. Will it have an effect in the United States? Of course it will. But... Only 12% of our GDP is export-based, thanks to Bill Clinton. And we lost, what, several million jobs because manufacturing jobs. So even though they slow down there, it's not that our country is booming, but we're solid. And we think that solidness is going to continue. On another cautionary note, too much commercial building and high in, in high-income areas, whether it's San Francisco, Dallas, New York, uh, L.A., you know, in the hot areas, too much commercial has gone up, and you're going to start seeing a downtick in that as well. So it's it's kind of a reaction to – I think I understand that. Okay, I, I, I get that. Um, but before we run out of time, I, so many people have asked uh, since we announced uh, you're coming on, uh, we, we, I've got two, three pages of emails from people all over the world asking me to ask you, asking us to ask you your opinion on, uh, North Korea. What do you see happening there, uh, with respect to, uh, the antagonism going on of, from, uh, the Chia pet over there? Well, again, you know, we have to watch out for North Korea. I've been hearing this all my life. I think they invaded Afghanistan, or was it Iraq? I think they went into, I don't, they got rid of Gaddafi because he had to go. He was a bad man. And I think he wanted Assad to go and his 500,000 dead in Syria. Of course, I'm being facetious. I talked about the French in Mali and the United States now is in Somalia. This is, this is so blown out of proportions. This is a country 
West Virginia has a bigger GDP than, than North Korea. There are more people in New York State than in North Korea. Their missiles go 37 miles and blow up. This is antagonism. I went back to China. You know, there's an election going on. I think it's tomorrow, actually, in South Korea. They don't want the THAAD missile system brought to you by Lockheed Martin Marietta that we the people pay for in, North, in South Korea, the Chinese. This is a big issue. They started a trade war against South Korea for putting up that THAAD missile system because China knows it's aimed at them, not North Korea. And China keeps saying to Americans and South Koreans, please stop these provocative acts with all of your military maneuvers off the coast of North Korea. Leave them alone. But no, we're not going to leave them alone. We're going to show them who's boss. So again, you got this new guy. This is very important for everyone to watch the election in, in South Korea. His name is Moon. He wants peace with, with, um, with North Korea. He wants Americans out of South Korea. He, you know, we've never signed a peace deal with, from the Korean War. It's an armistice. North Korea's been asking to meet with the United States for years. The United States has refused. So again, this is another country. The reason they want a nuclear weapon, they've made this very clear. They said, look what happened to Saddam Hussein and Muammar Gaddafi when they didn't go nuke. You're not going to get rid of us. We're keeping our nukes. That's the story. And, and thank you for that. And, and that's the sobering reality. Um, like it or not, folks, that, that is a sober, the, the very sobering reality. Um, a lot of truth to, to that. And, uh, we, we thank you. And, and, and thanks to all the, the, those who have sent those questions in about North, uh, North Korea, Joe. I, I got a question. Uh, we only have a few minutes left, Mr. Salente, but I wanted to make sure I asked you this while you're on the show because it pertains to a lot of people and what they plan to do this, uh, summer and fall season. Uh, the price of oil. What do you expect to see, uh, with oil prices? I know that there, so, you know, some things going on with Iran and, and Saudi Arabia that might drive up the prices. But do you expect to see, you know, the 30 to 50 cents, you know, increase per gallon for the summer months or, uh, no, might, might no, there's, it, no, there's an oversupply right now. They, 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 the stockpiles are really big with gasoline as well. There's too much production and they just keep talking. We, we've been, I have to say, you know, we, we don't get it right all the time. I didn't know there'd be quantitative easing or zero interest rate policy. So you get things wrong on that end, you know, when they change the game, but Saudi Arabia, they're cutting back 1.8 million barrels a day. That's not enough to make up for the oversupply. Do you realize that the United States is going to be the world's largest producer of gas and oil by 2020? Right now, we're almost even with Saudi Arabia and, um, and, and Russia. The amount of rigs that have gone back online since oil hit the low in 2016 is up 123 percent. Wow. There's more supply than demand. I was just talking about Dr. Copper and iron ore. It's supply and demand. So I don't see gasoline prices going up. Again, absent like what you pointed out, if there's a conflict with Iran or, or, or something else happens in the Middle East, 
And again, you got the Saudi Arabia's off the charts, man. People aren't talking about them. Oh, our great allies. Hey, you want to talk about radical Muslim fundamentalists, man? Woof. Hey, don't put those women in a car. Don't let them drive. You know, they're at it. Whoa, they're way out. Hey, behead anybody today? Oh, you had a quiet day. Nobody got beheaded. So if you don't have a blow up in the Middle East, we don't see oil prices going up. We're looking at the levels we're at now and possibly even lower. Fantastic. Uh, Mr. Salani, we're at the end of the uh, segment. I just want to say thank you so much. Uh, and, folks, Trends, uh, trendsresearch.com, that's Mr. Salani's website, his Trends Journal, the best out there, the best money can buy. I'll tell you what, if you only can buy one one newsletter, one information source, that's yeah. it, Trends Journal. It absolutely well, thank is. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you kindly. God bless you, my friend. Thank All you. The best. Thanks, guys. Right. Have a good night. Wow. That, yeah, and he's got, I mean, he's not 100%, but 98%, 99%, right? Well, yeah, when you're you're looking at trends, not all trends are, are telling the future, but they are a good indicator and, and a place to start. You tie that in with everything else, uh, all the other key factors you can connect this to what's going to help the markets or fluctuate the markets, and you can get a pretty good picture of what's going on. Yeah, I'm he's, telling you, though, really, I was uh, looking at that, that journal well. to, two years ago, and it, I was thinking it was like, wow, it was almost like reporting history, but it was in advance. Go ahead. We'll be right back after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. What Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right, you need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that can happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke and fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas for fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an M.O.K. 
For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com, PreciousTimberProfits.com. Of the Hagman and Hagman Report. It is the eighth day of May, 2017. We're freshly back from Chicago. I want to thank each and every one of you. We met in Chicago, had a great, uh, great time. You guys are fantastic, and the ladies fantastic. And just uh, that, so just many that, great people. Yep. For those who weren't able to make it, there will be a DVD available at some yes. point in time. Um, Pastor Paul, technician Mike is, is a great guy, and he's a hard worker, and, and he's going to be putting those together. So I'm sure we'll be uh, not only promoting it, but possibly even being somebody who. Uh, We'll have the link up on the website, and we will inform you as to when they're available. Absolutely. You know, on the way back from Chicago, uh, we saw a, just a tremendously bad accident on the highway. And uh, did you know, and this is important to me, did you know that 35 million U.S. Uh, families have no life insurance? None, zero. That's 30% of U.S. households uh, have no life insurance, no coverage. And, uh, or, I'm sorry, that's 30% of U.S. households, so. That's 35 million U.S. families. Most Americans think life insurance costs two to three times more than it really does, and almost half of U.S. families could would have trouble covering an emergency expense in excess of $400. Imagine if the primary earner died. Well, that's where we provide the solution for you. Actually, we don't provide it, but our sponsor, Policy Genius, does. Uh, PolicyGenius.com is the best online life insurance marketplace on the planet. The most accurate quotes from the top A-rated life insurance companies, Policy Genius, has placed over $5 billion in life insurance. $5 billion, folks. Just for people like you and I. Policy Genius, they've got a very simple to use, use a very user-friendly website to shop and compare all the top-rated life insurance companies and give you the best options. I like it. I've used it. My daughter's used it. They've got a licensed customer service team to help you find the best policy at the best price. And while you're there, you can check out other insurance offerings, such as health insurance and even pet insurance. Yes, lady, the studio dog, pet insurance. Okay, here's the deal, folks. Go to policygenius.com today to save over 40% off other prices for life insurance. When life insurance... When insurers compete for your business, folks, it's very simple. You save money. We save money. Again, that's Policy Genius. I'm going to spell it out for you. Here it is. P-O-L-I-C-Y-G-E-N-I-U-S. That's PolicyGenius.com. Zero jargon. Zero sales pressure. Zero hassle. Life insurance finally made easy. Free quotes. No hassle. Peace of mind. Don't wait. Go to policygenius.com today. We've got a very special guest for you, Joe. Yeah, we do. Um, uh, we want to welcome our debut guest, 
a Royal Canadian uh, Mounted Police Inspector, RCMP. Miker. That's right. And he has an extensive operational experience, including being the covert operation uh, operator in the largest money laundering and securities fraud investigation uh, in North America. He led the creation of a multi-agency capital markets enforcement team in Western Canada on time and under budget, also led the creation of a capital uh, markets intelligence unit and identified a massive tax evasion scheme employed by large financial financial institutions uh, vis-a-vis cross-border dividend arbitrage. Uh, Igiko led the, the development of Canada's global covert infrastructure in response to the September 11 terror attacks. Uh, this guy's got a fascinating history and has done, uh, you know, you talk about, uh, we, we, our private investigators, we've done a number of, of, you know, uh, fraud cases and whatnot, but you talk about, you know, the big leagues, uh, this, 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 man, than this. Th- th- this man knows, um, knows the ins and outs of all of the, uh, well, I'll put it this way. When agencies can't, don't, won't do their job, uh, this man steps in and really takes the, takes the mantle. Uh, Inspector Bill Miker, thanks for joining us today. Pleasure, uh, Joe. Doug, thank you for having me. Well, so I'll tell you, you're, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I'm excited to have you. You know, with all the, with, with everything, and folks, um, the Inspector Bill Miker is, Active and, and the link is in our program description. He's active in, on, in so much. Um, where do you want to start, Inspector? Uh, no, well, maybe, go ahead. Maybe best just to, uh, for the sake of your audience, give a little bit of uh, background on myself and, and bring it forward to why I have some of the views and opinions uh, that I have. Uh, you know, I've been very blessed that, I, that I've had a, a very uh, wonderful career. I'm, I'm actually retired from the RCMP or Mounties, as it's known. But, uh, you know, for the better part of everything we talk about here, it is all shaped by my own personal experiences. It's very direct. I'm not relying on on what of the work of others to have my opinions. Of course, I, I listen to other people's experiences and, and help define it. But by and large, when it comes to financial crime, uh, government, corruption, terrorism, it's based 100%, my opinions at least, on my own personal direct experiences. Understood. So, so as a as a former background, I grew up in a very typical middle class Canadian family. My father was a military naval officer. Uh, after university, I, I got a job as a eurobond trader in London, England, back in late 1984, going into 85. At 21 years of age, I was making more money than my father after 38 years as a commander in the navy, and. But I wasn't motivated by money. I, I was I was okay as a bond trader. Can't say I was a I was a rock star. But I came back to Canada and joined the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. You know, as a young lad, uh, the Mounties are an iconic symbol of of Canada. I was bought into the into the mystique of, of the organization. But I have to say, in fairness, it, it was by and large a very good organization uh, to work with and for. So I have no complaints in that regard. But once I got into the into the Mounties. We all do our training in Regina, uh, which is where our, our training academy is. It's a paramilitary type organization, uh, you know, very much on the old British uh, military model, where you know we're getting our hair cut every eight days. Uh, the first two months on base, you're not allowed to, to to walk. You have to run everywhere to get your marching orders. So quite unique for a police force to have that type of military environment where we're living in barracks. Uh, 32-man dorms, that's what we call a troop. And from there, 
you you learn about esprit de corps, learn about the you know do you are you going to rely on the people beside you uh, in the field, especially if they're maybe a bit incompetent in training. So there's lots of uh, social engineering that starts to take place early. But I went on to uh, when I when I got out, I went and did uniform patrol, which is what all Mounties start out as, and then I gravitated towards our undercover program. And as I went into the undercover program, uh, it was unique from a couple perspectives. Uh, typically, somebody, or the perception at least, somebody with my uh, background in capital markets at that level I was at, joining the police force is unusual enough. Uh, getting involved in the undercover program itself was was rather unique because the perception is that, uh, you know, you're a pencil pusher type uh, individual. And fortunately, you know, I gravitated towards undercover work and, and was, was quite adept at it. And my first operation was buying heroin and cocaine in the downtown east side of Vancouver, which in fairness was like shooting, you know, fish in a barrel, but made uh, a very large number of, of heroin and, and cocaine and other drugs purchases. And then from that, I was asked, what did I know about futures and options? I said, I don't know anything about futures and options. Okay, how would you like to go work with the FBI in Chicago, down at the Chicago Board of Trade? And so I had to then take my futures and options courses to the CFTC uh, because I'm dealing in public markets and because of third-party liability. So that began my, my, my background into the financial markets. And more importantly, it started developing my, my undercover persona which was Bill McDonald. And, and that's important because this was the day and the era of going back over 25 years ago before the advent of the Internet where your cover story, your backstopping was so important. And so I was able to have my high school records changed, university records changed. I had federally incorporated companies. I was paying taxes in my covert name. I was traveling on my covert name. I was doing everything. So when the time came for bad guys to check me out, I had everything in place, which which was rather unique at the time. And so as a result of that, I, I gravitated towards uh, a lot of money laundering, financial undercover. Uh, probably half of my covert career I spent working for U.S. agencies. So under the Canada-U.S. Mutual Legal Assistance Treaty, if there is a, an individual who has a specific skill set and can provide assistance to either agency agencies on either side of the border, uh, you were you were allowed to go work there. So I, I spent uh, many years working for for the American agencies, uh, mostly into uh, Colombian cartels, into uh, organized uh, financial crime. Uh, you know, it, it was a wide variety of things, uh, from from drugs to markets related to to even to a point of, of uh, counter espionage. And and again, it runs a very vast uh, circle because one of the things that start happening as you get higher into the food chain and dealing with particularly offshore professional groups, bankers, lawyers, accountants, you start seeing something that to us was a revelation, at least in, in 10, 12 years ago, and that was the interplay between various organized crime groups that at an operational level were unrelated, but at a financial level all had the same facilitators. We're using the same professional bodies. So I started being introduced to other criminal organizations and groups by by the professional class, particularly the offshore uh, professional class. And so in the midst of having 
and we can get into all those details, no problem. But, again, in the backdrop of all of that, I had the operational experience as the undercover. And then 9-11 happened. And, you know, after 9-11 happened, there was a need to ramp up, certainly in Canada, how we approached the penetration and recruitment at a global level, certainly at a national level, but also to operate internationally in terms of getting inside terrorist groups, penetrating organized crime, that's trans-global, et cetera. And so I came back, and then I went from being the front-end operator for a period of time where I audited Canada's global infrastructure for covert ops. And then I used the skills I had learned in the field and things that I saw that didn't work as well, and together with a brilliant colleague named Brad Damaris, we developed Canada's global infrastructure post-9-11, and we based it on a very fundamental principle. We observed what best-of-breed criminals were doing in terms of how they were covering their tracks, how they were layering. Mostly we used a lot of money laundering knowledge. And so we started creating layers upon layers of identity protection for our operators as we started building up their legends, their history. And in that process, we also had to set up the infrastructure, the banking, the financial infrastructure that went along with that. And so that requires us overseas. You have to pay to relocate your informants, people that are assisting you in hostile environments. You need to protect them. You need to look after them. So you can't exactly send a check with the government of Canada stamp on it. So we had to come up with methods and means to provide a layer of protection to these people. And in so doing, we also had to then go out into the larger banking community, and we, of course, couldn't tell them who we were or what we were doing for operational security. And so part of my role was how do we defeat the banks, AML, KYC, anti-money laundering, know your client type issues. And it was remarkably easy. And so, you know, again, I used what I learned in the field. I learned what we used from debriefing criminals that were in custody and learning what worked, what didn't work, where the tripwires were. And so we created that infrastructure. So it gave me the ability to be on both sides of the table, both as the undercover operator and then the fellow who had to make sure that our people and the people who work with us are protected when they're out in the field. So creating that infrastructure. But it all came from the same sort of experience. Interesting. Now, from your experience, in fact, Canadian Business Online had done an article back in 2007. It was 10 years ago now, almost. The tagline is, well, it says, you know, country or a good country for crooks with respect to Canada. If you suspect Canada is soft on white-collar crime, these ex-Mounties have news for you. It's worse than you think. You kind of brought us to this point in this introduction. Your assessment on, then and now, your assessment on the status of white-collar crime that you've seen and our collective response to it, whether it's Canada or the United States, is it still worse than we think or has it improved? Well, from the Canadian perspective, I think it's abominable. I'm ashamed 
to, to be a Canadian when I see how little we have done. I have seen how we have allowed our country to be used as a global laundromat. It is a safe haven for almost the entire cadre of, of you know, global organized crime and, and terrorist groups and terrorist financing. And many of the issues were identified uh, for the last 10, 15 years. Uh, in fact, some of the cases I was involved in was very specific that was used by those trying to affect uh, legislation in Canada to address these deficiencies, and, and the, the government has refused. And, and again, I'll, I'll get into why, why I believe that's the case and, and what's been the effect of that. And from the American perspective, I think that the, the American system has been far more effective in, in protecting its citizens, certainly than the Canadians. Uh, and, and again, I, I have a line when I, when I sometimes talk to audiences. I say, listen, if you're, if you're going to be a criminal, uh, not that I'm advocating it by any stretch, but I only have two pieces of advice for you. One is, uh, don't do it with anybody else. Uh, you know, once two people know about it, the other one's going to get compromised at some point. Uh, and, and the second rule is, don't defraud an American. Don't make an American a victim. Because from my experience, the only country in the world that will aggressively go after those who victimize Americans is, is, is America. Uh, Canada simply won't do that. And it doesn't even protect its own people in the country. Now, to take it, take it back why, why I say that. Canada, <coughs> for, for, for a number of reasons, and it should be a, it should be reasons of great concern for, for American, uh, government and, and law enforcement people, is that Canada is, is, is a safe country, no, no question. But Canada has 35 million people. It's the largest undefended border in the world with the United States. The United States represents the world's richest population base. We all speak the same language, which is English. Uh, the majority of the Canadian population lives within 200 miles of the U.S. border. If I want to attack the United States, whether it be economically or, or in other forms, or I want to victimize the United States and its citizens, what is the one of the easiest ways to do it? Let's get in a country that is, has the same language, has basically shared common values, that is in the same time zones, and has a number of features that make it much more desirable to, to defraud Americans uh, being across the border. One, in Canada, we have very, very strong privacy laws, very strong privacy act. We have a very stable banking system. As we saw through the global financial crisis, Canadian banks came out at the top of the heap in terms of their resilience. So a very strong, stable banking system. Canada also has is a world leader in, in communications and telecommunications. So if I'm a crook, I need to know that if I'm blasting out emails or, or I need to communicate with my, my bankers or, or my, my associates in real time, I need reliability of, of communications. Canada has that. Canada has very, very strong trust laws. And as we, uh, as we see both in terms of trust and also charities, uh, you know, it is impossible to get in behind uh, some of the, the secrecy or privacy as to who is putting money into charities and and the position of trust in Canadian law, it doesn't almost matter who's behind it. You're not gonna you're not gonna penetrate it. And then last but not least, and this is really what sets Canada apart 
for most of the, the G20 countries. Canada, the lawyers in Canada are, in my mind, the Canadian Bar Association is probably the most powerful uh, criminal organization in, in Canada. You know, they, they, they are statutorily exempt from cash transaction reporting and, and, you know, filing STRs. You know, they take their direction from the law society. But I've, I've yet to see where there is a, a more than a 1% voluntary disclosure from lawyers in any transaction into the financial intelligence unit in Canada. So also lawyers in Canada have solicitor client privilege which is probably stronger in Canada than any other country. Case in point, when I was uh, working undercover, I, I had dealt with a number of lawyers, and in one lawyer's case, I, a Canadian lawyer, I met him in Miami, and I gave him a dollar bill. I said, do we now have solicitor-client privilege? Yes, we do. I said, okay, everything I'm talking about is cocaine money. All my money comes from cocaine. My organization's generating $3 million U.S. dollars a day, in cocaine sales, I need to clean it. Not a problem. And and so we begin talking about it. And and he did a couple things for me. Bill, whenever you need to talk to your 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 associates, you can come into my law firm, which in this case was back up in Toronto. You can use my law office because the authorities in Canada can't get wiretaps on lawyers because of the solicitor client privilege issue. Now they may tell you on paper, oh that's not true, but in reality that's absolutely true. Uh, it's so bad that when we go to do a search warrant at a lawyer's office who's part of a conspiracy, we have to notify the law society before we do so. They're going to appoint somebody to come with us uh, on the search, even if it's in a you know it's a, real, a fairly major uh, criminal uh, conspiracy. So we're already tipping our hands to fellow lawyers. In one case that I was involved in, we actually had to make an appointment because it was a national law firm and, and one of the lawyers we were investigating for part of a, uh, of a fraudulent uh, transaction. Uh, we had to make an appointment with the law firm so we could execute our search warrant. I mean, it's gone past the point of ridiculous, ridiculousness. Mm. And, and, and so with, with that whole issue, lawyers in Canada, uh, you know, they, they hide behind solicitor-client privilege. The, the, the one lawyer said to me, he said, Bill, why don't you move your, your criminal enterprise to Canada? He says it's, it's 20 times safer than doing it in the United States. Another Canadian lawyer who, who actually was the lawyer who incorporated the Hells Angels in, in the west coast of Canada and very prolific. Uh, he, uh, he had, it was very funny because he gave the same analogy. Bill, you should move your criminal enterprise to Canada because it's 100 times safer. One guy uses the analogy of 20 times, the other says 100 times. But what do they know that the rest of the world doesn't know? And the reality is the rest of the world does know that. So, you know, the world's first suicide bombers weren't uh, coming out of Palestine. They were coming out of Sri Lanka with the Tamil Tigers. And so that large, very violent, bloody civil war was primarily funded from Canada. There's a quarter of a million Tamils living outside Toronto. It's a horrific problem, most of them involved in, in drug dealing. We have, you know, the, the Air India bombing, it was 747, which uh, was the largest single act of aviation terrorism prior to 9-11. And, and again, uh, 340 people were, were killed when the 747 was blown out of the sky over the Irish Sea, and 270 were, were Canadians. And, again, the, the, the ability 
for these terrorist groups to use Canada as their base is well documented and well known. It is not a coincidence that almost 30% of China's top 100 most wanted criminals are in Canada. They understand that the law, you know, works on a very fundamental principle, and I think it's true in the United States as well as in Canada. Criminal law is based on one overarching principle. That is, you are innocent until proven broke. And so the legal system in Canada is not set up for justice. It's a legal system. I'm going to paraphrase what one judge had actually said about the state of criminal law in Canada, and that is the, and again, I'm not getting the quote quite accurately, but this will capture it. The evidence in a criminal trial is merely a sideshow. The conduct of the police is the main event. So it all becomes form over substance. The Canadian legal system is a, pardon my French, is a wet dream for those engaged in financial crime and terrorism. It doesn't almost matter what it is. And again, because the United States represents such a rich market, it just makes sense that people want to be close to it. The other feature about Canada that is abused is the ability, and again, it's not unique to Canada. Again, I call it the professional kleptocracy, which is the lawyers and the accountants who are really driving and are behind and facilitating almost 90, 95% of high-end financial crime. And the beauty, the get-out-of-jail-free card that lawyers employ, and that's the use of offshore vehicles so much, is I am a client. I'm a bad guy. I go to my lawyer, securities lawyer, corporate lawyer. Hey, I want to set this deal up. I want to do it this way. The lawyer knows he's going on the thin ice by what his client's going to do. He needs to get his get-out-of-jail-free card. So what does he do? He goes out and he shops for a third-party legal opinion from another law firm or another lawyer. And so he buys the best legal opinion money can buy. And then if in the event that his client gets caught up by the police or others in their financial crime investigation, the lawyer at least covers his butt by pulling out, well, I went out and got a third-party legal opinion. This is a racket, and it's been going on for years and decades. And that is why I say, in my mind, the greatest threat to Canadians and Americans is not the Italian mafia. It's not the cartels. It's probably not even terrorism. It comes down, you look at most of your lobbyists in the United States, most of your lobbyists that affect change, how many of them are dentists? The vast majority are lawyers. And so you have this great legal kleptocracy. And there it is, folks. We're talking with Bill Miker. Sorry, Mr. Miker. Inspector. 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 We're up against the break, three-minute break, and we'll be right back. Folks, we're talking with Inspector Bill Miker. We're talking about a number of important issues relating to financial crime and fraud, how he's breaking down the privileges that lawyers have and how they use it for criminal activity almost to get away with murder. And he's joining us from Hong Kong, too, Joe. Yeah, he is. And I think it's the morning or early afternoon there. It's 12 hours. 12 hours. Okay, well, then, it's nice and early there. But Bill Miker, Inspector Bill Miker, is our guest. He'll be with us through the next two segments, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report.
Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Masterpreps.com, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from cooking utensils, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely. Eric's a... It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Chang Postman We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Armies kit at www.changelessandwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Inspector Miker, he's lived three lifetimes in his short span of 50-odd years, 50-some years, 54 years. He started his professional career as the youngest Canadian Eurobond trader on the planet at age 21 in London, in the UK. He quit to join the Royal Canadian Mounted Police at 22. And then, and then, that, it's just getting started. And soon embarked on a remarkable career that's remarkable in its depth, in its diversity. 
whether sharing a jail cell, think about that, with global terrorists or financing U.S. stock deals with Colombian cocaine cash. Uh, Inspector Micah has been very uh, at, the, at the very sharp end of the U.S. and Canadian government sphere for almost three decades, uh, combating predators in all of their forms. Canadian author, investigative reporter, National editor of Globe and Mail, uh, Paul Palango, who has written three bestsellers on the RCMP. The last book, by the way, Dispersing the Fog Inside the Secret World of Ottawa and the RCMP, has described uh, our guest, this man, as one of the most uh, celebrated police officers in history, and he is, in the history of the Mounties, known for both his daring, his courage, and his success. So that's just we're so glad to have him. Before we get back to him, I just want to direct everyone, look, Mother's Day is this weekend. Guys, ladies, Mother's Day is this weekend. We love our moms. We love our wives. We love the, that, that special person in your life. Pro Flowers is the place to go. And this is what we, we love Pro Flowers. We have, we use them personally. Um, and, and even from business to business, Pro Flowers can fill all of your needs. You know, folks, when you send, the 100 Blooms for Mom bouquet from Pro Flowers this Mother's Day, you're going to make a real impression. It comes with a free glass vase for just $19.99 plus shipping and handling. And if you really want to make a statement, you can upgrade to a premium vase and include gourmet chocolates for just $10 more. That's what I, I recommend that highly. That makes just a great impression. You can choose the delivery date you want, and Pro Flowers are guaranteed, and I mean guaranteed to arrive fresh and beautiful and stay that way for at least seven days or your money back. I've seen them last many weeks, actually, you know, two, three weeks. Um, and, yeah, just to jump in, yeah. I have uh, some lilies that, that are, have been in my house for over two weeks. Just it's beautiful. Brand new too. still. I mean, they're still holding strong, still alive, still beautiful, still smell great. And, and here's the deal, folks. You've got to follow this, okay? You ready? Listen carefully. The only way to get 100 blooms for mom, and, and this will make a great impression, plus a, a free glass vase starting at 19.99, is to visit proflowers.com. Click on the microphone in the top right corner. Use our code HAGMAN. It's H-A-G-M-A-N-N. It's H-A-G-M-A-N-N. That's proflowers.com and code HAGMAN when you click on the mic. Folks, this stunning bouquet sells out fast, so you got to order right now. Order today. I'm telling you, it sells out fast, so please order as soon as today, as soon as possible. Proflowers.com. Microphone code Hagman. And again, our very special guest, and I want to thank uh, Mr. Brent Oleski. Thank you, sir, for setting this this up. This is great. Thank you, John Robertson, as well. Inspector uh, Bill Miker from the RCMP. Where we left off, uh, Inspector Miker, let's pick right back up on, man. Uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Oh, man. The latitude that Canadian uh, lawmakers have gone to protect the criminals in these financial institutions, who are uh, and lawyers who are um, conducting and, and, and from what your description, as many cases in, involving themselves in criminal activity, involving their their law practices and law firms as safe havens for the criminals to conduct business, and um, it seems like a very extensive problem. Well, it's an extensive problem, but it's unfortunately not isolated to Canada. It's a, it's a global problem. And, you know, you, you just have to look. The recent Russian glo- uh, global laundromat investigation that, that exploded uh, last year with, uh, you know, allegedly 20 to 80 billion U.S. dollars equivalent of uh, dirty Russian money entering the global financial system 
via Latvia and Moldova. But that was all facilitated uh, primarily by the professional class out of out of London. Set up uh, the companies. They, what they did is they contrived to set up fictitious loans that were designed that were designed to go into default. Uh, and as they as they went into default, the guarantor of the loan uh, of these uh, of these loans was this were Russian uh, front companies, and so it went through the courts in Moldova, and and you have right now I think twelve or thirteen judges under criminal investigation and facing prosecution for facilitating uh, the money laundering. I mean, it, it brings judicial money laundering to a whole new uh, whole new realm, but. You know, again, this was all facilitated and then brought into the global banking system, uh, 20 to 80 billion dollars. And, and again, it couldn't have been done. Bankers alone, I, I, I surmise that, you know, bankers get a bad rap. And a lot of them deserve it. Don't get me wrong. A lot of them deserve it. But even when you look at things like Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, if I'm working for, for a large engineering firm and I, can get a contract because I'm paying a $20 million bribe or secret commission uh, to, to the other side. Do you think I, as the salesman or the business development guy for that region, has the ability to take $20 million of the company's money from its treasury and structure it in a way that nobody knows what it's used for? Of course not. You have, you have uh, typically, it's lawyers and accountants who are putting this together, just like with the Russian uh, laundromat. A layman is not putting together... The, the financial documents and, and the like that, that create these opportunities. So this is by no means unique to Canada, uh, the extent of this problem. And, and again, one of the things you, you stop when you realize how much the offshore uh, marketplace uh, and, the, and offshore financial centers, they, yes, they are there and they do legitimate services and businesses, no question about that. But they are also the absolute perfect fertile ground for the global kleptocracy to uh, to surround their clients with a structured legal envelope so they can get away with almost anything and everything. And, you know, case in point, uh, when I was working uh, with, uh, with the FBI out of Miami, uh, a great investigator by the name of Ross Gaffney ran the money laundering and, and white-collar crime for the FBI, and he had also was the architect behind uh, Wicket, which was the white collar crime investigative uh, task force that was set up between the British government and the American government to to tackle financial crime and money laundering in the Caribbean. And and so I was down there for better part of three years. Uh, again, my, my cover story is I was the front man for a, for a Colombian cartel, and and again I ended up laundering money. Through a number of institutions. Uh, in fact, uh, you'll laugh, but the uh, one of the guys who was laundering money was the agent for Kenny Rogers, the singer in the Caribbean. And so they end up laundering part of my my cocaine proceeds through Kenny Rogers Roasters, the the, the restaurant. Now, of course, nothing to do with with the uh, with with the singer or, or that, but it goes to show you all the tentacles of, of how it works. And and there was a point where. I was dealing with uh, stock promoters and bankers, and you know I'd already had with them over a half a million dollars uh, of money being deployed, uh, and and so I said, look, it, I, I need to start moving more money, and so they said, look, we're going to bring a fellow down to see you, Bill. Uh, this guy is a is a fixer, and so this fellow came down. I can't give his name for the very simple reason 
He came in at the very end of that operation, and we didn't have time to run the money through. And the U.S. Attorney's Office in Miami uh, didn't want to do what's called a dry conspiracy, meaning go with a criminal case just based on, on wording. But we were in, in August, I believe, of 2002 is when we did all the arrests. We arrested about 60 people. We originally had 130 people uh, to be indicted for financial uh, fraud and money laundering. And the U.S. Attorney's Office said, look, we have to cut that back in half. It's too many people. So about a month before it ended. Inspector, Inspector, wait a second. Why? Too many people, why? I don't, I don't understand that. Because it, it, what, we can't handle twice that amount? I mean, please tell me we can handle that. Well, I, I listen, you're, 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 you're surprised as I am. I mean, the, the, the crime's the crime. But... But, you know, again, there's, there's only so much capacity, and, and so wow. basically uh, the FBI was directed to, to scale back on the, the numbers that we were going to indict. Okay. And, and uh, again, it's not the fault of the FBI. It's, it's probably a, a larger systemic issue. Gotcha. But for sure, people got away with things. And, and so, uh, so they brought this fellow down. I met him on uh, a covert uh, yacht that we'd operated on. And... So this guy comes in, and he is a lawyer, uh, and represented um, Mossack Fonseca, the uh, the law firm at the center of the Panama Papers disclosures. Right. So he uh, he comes in, and I said to him, "Listen, I've got a cash flow problem. I've got lots of cash and no flow." And then he spent the next two hours talking to me about the of how to defeat. FinCEN, which is the you know uh, U.S. Uh, Treasury's financial uh, intelligence unit mm-hmm. uh, and regulator, not regulator, but but intel unit. Uh, how to defeat Canada's uh, you know financial intelligence unit, and started taking me to a lot of things I already knew, of course, but from from my job. But, but very clearly, he taught me things that I didn't know about the best way to uh, inculcate myself from civil or criminal prosecution or detection. And he went on to tell me and explain to me the benefits of using a Panamanian foundation, and he promoted foundations over the use of trusts, and, and, and of course, you know, was, was emphasizing the same thing that every sophisticated bad guy on the planet knows, and that is jurisdiction equals freedom. And what that means, very simply, is you put, you do your crime here, you put your money there, you have the ownership over the money over in a third jurisdiction and maybe even a fourth. By the time the police get through, uh, the legal paperwork, uh, to get to, to ground zero on following the paper trail or the money trail, it's probably one or two years later. And, and so this guy absolutely understands that just like every major bad guy understands it and why every major law firm, uh, that, that is in in major centers, when I talk major centers in the United States or Canada, a lot of them don't actually have representative law offices in Panama or in the Caymans or BVI. They like to rely on third-party law firms because they then aren't tasked with knowledge. I can construct and create a vehicle or a format onshore that, you know, I have a pretty good idea what you're going to do with it, but I don't really want to be tasked with knowledge. So I say, look, you should go to this BVI or this Panamanian law firm or somebody else, and and whatever last piece you need to do, for whatever reason you want to do it, best that you do it with them because they have the expertise. Again, part of the get-out-of-jail-free 
strategy, and, and so they compartmentalize it, and they use the different jurisdictions to do it. But in the case of this, uh, this legal rep uh, that I had met, uh, he, uh, you know, when I said I have a cash flow problem, he says, listen, I have five different lawyers, and we can begin by putting $200,000 a month through each of the cash, through each of their trust accounts. There will be a 7% laundering fee, and then I'll aggregate it into, uh, into the account in, in Panama that I'll set up and, and structure it into your foundation. So, you know, these, these are the pieces uh, of, of how the game is played and how it works. Well, and, well uh, Inspector, uh, I heard what you said. Um, and, and folks, uh, I hope you, wait a second. So, so the attorney's gonna, uh, they're vague. The attorney's vague is 7% for the house, right? To help you do this. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. Pure money laundering. I'm just, I, you know, I look, I, I understand, I, I, I get it, but to, to hear this, I, I'm stunned. It, and it's open. It, it's, this is what we're going to charge you seven percent. I mean, it's that that open. Yeah, very much so. You know, the heart of the money laundering relationship comes down to only five questions. In my whole career, whether I had people launder money for me or whether I laundered money for for others, um, it, the five five questions define the money laundering relationship. And and those five questions are simply, how much does it cost? In this case, it was seven percent. What currencies can you do it in? Uh, how much can you do at any one time? Uh, and, and how long does it take? And of course, the most important question is, how do you guarantee the money? And okay. once you answer those questions, you're, you're, you're on your way. Mm. Now, you, you know, you have to remember that, you know, when I was dealing originally with, with the Medellin cartel, they, they were paying the, 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 the laundering fee because uh, I was the one uh, representing I could launder their money, that, that fee was, was as low as 5%. But the, the total cost uh, of, of the cartel to set up their whole money laundering operation uh, was as high as, as 40%, you know, a cost of doing business. And the rationale is very simple. For every, you know, for, for every uh, dollar that went into the cocaine production, they were making a thousand percent profit. So, you know, 40% is a cost of putting this whole thing together. Uh, it's just the cost of doing business. That's why, you know, when, when these large organizations lose the cocaine, they're not very happy, but when they lose the cash, they're even more unhappy because of the, the exponential uh, profit curve. Right. So what I'm hearing is, um, here in the United States, basically, um, you know, you, you, uh, if you happen to violate the structuring rules, for example, in bank deposits, withdrawals specifically, um, boy, you know, you're put on a list and, and you're suspect. Uh, however, not only that, and, and every well, company, no, go ahead. The, uh, I mean, I'm just, just recently there, there's been a huge increase in, um, in, with the IRS, civil forfeit assetures, uh, yeah, and also the structuring. Uh, people are having their money stolen. I think it was uh, seventy billion dollars this last year. Maybe a figure. It's been a, about well, a month. Yeah, but all they're, of this, they're even legitimate border. business owners who are they're 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 lumping in these legitimate business owners under the structuring, and then they're confiscating their money 
based on those structuring laws, and it's become it's becoming a huge problem. Yeah, and then they're not even pressing charges on the on the uh, people; they're just keeping the money, and that's made national headlines in the last month uh, of the increases of that. But yeah, uh, that's but but, but, but you know, but can contrast that to, to what what Inspector uh, Mike is saying here. Um, uh, it's just it's just mind blowing. I'm I'm stunned. I shouldn't be, but again, I'm stunned by what I'm hearing. And, and, you know, we see every year, I wanted to make sure I asked you about this, um, Inspector, a headline. We'll, we'll get it once a year from all the banks. Uh, you know, one headline example is, uh, you know, Wells Fargo caught laundering uh, $500 billion in drug money, pays $500 million fine. How can they get away with that? How can they continue to get away with that? Not only that, the fine doesn't outweigh, I mean, not even 1% of the profits. Is you know, it set up for them to to be able to do this so everybody you know um, you know can get their piece? Uh, everybody, you know, listen. They, they, I, let's bring it back down to to brass tacks. And and again, this is based on on my thirty years of experience. So it's my opinion based on my observations and experience. It and so take it or leave it. it doesn't matter. When you know, I, I look at the world now. I didn't look at the world this way. 10, 20 years ago, I do today. The world consists of the 0.01% who are the very top of the food chain on the planet, control by far the vast majority of the wealth and influence on the planet. It is what it is, no problem. That 0.01%, though, is serviced by the 1%. The 1% is the professional class, and there's a big range in that 1%, and they tend to be the bankers, the lawyers, the professionals, people like me and you, quite frankly, who, who... Provide services. We're all trying to take our, make our living by providing services uh, for those who service the 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 0.1 percent. And then you're left with the other 98.9 percent. And those are, you know, some of your politicians calls them the the deplorables. But that's the rest of humanity. And 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 so against that backdrop, you have this professional class that all want to get their piece of the pie. Those who are one in a billion are lucky enough to get into the 0.1%, but the rest want to be in that 1% and, and they want to make the money. They want to service it. And so that's where you start getting, uh, again, the, the lawyers and the accountants and, and bankers uh, who, who, who play the game to service that 0.1%. Who makes the legislation? You know, you know why is it that, that you have, you know, on the boards of, of banks, uh, people with a lot of uh, rollover to the political process, and the same as with accounting firms. You know, you look no further than you know who are among the largest lobbyists in the United States in terms of in terms of political donations. You know, you're going to see the American Trial Lawyers Association in that crowd. So there's there's really a crossover. And when I look at it, I look at it very objectively. You know, the how are you giving justice when an individual in a bank, uh, either individually or in concert with others, uh, does such egregious behavior that every single shareholder, every person who's got a pension fund uh, and a retirement fund that has an investment in that bank has to pay the price in the terms of, of a massive fine and then, of course, the increased compliance costs on the bank because of their behavior. And yet very few people are in jail. I look at it this way. Since the global financial crisis, or even, say, two years beforehand, since about uh, 2005 to today, over one 
trillion, one trillion U.S. dollars has gone out the window in the form of fines and disgorgements and penalties in terms of increased compliance costs, which means every consumer sees that he's not getting, uh, has to pay more when, in terms of bank fees. Every, uh, every member of, of the American public uh, is watching that uh, his, his investment funds or retirement funds, which are managed uh, maybe through pension plan or, or by himself, is not getting the dividend that he should have got from the bank because he got hit by the fine. The government's getting its pound of flesh in terms of the fines uh, because, you know, government's broke. So let's get our money back. But you've, you've given this increased cost base of all these compliance people who are being hired. Uh, to what purpose is really what I question. And I can guarantee you there is as much money laundering on a percentage basis going on today as there was in 2005. So a trillion dollars sucked out of the system later. What do we have to show for it? So nobody's going to convince me that the, the current uh, regime of combating financial crime and money laundering is succeeding. It succeeds very well if you're part of the professional kleptocracy, but uh, doesn't doesn't uh, serve so well to the average citizen in in the United States or Canada or elsewhere. It is it is a it is a patsy uh, game. And you know I look no further than all these global banks, you know who've been involved in everything from facilitating the the, the payment of money. Flowing through, so so 200 plus Marines could get murdered in Beirut, so that airliners can get blown out of the sky, so that we, we could have all manner of, of terrorism by banks who who are who are demonstrating, if not deliberate intent, but certainly willful blindness in in where the money comes from and how it gets there, and and yet again nobody's in jail. And what's the worst that comes out of this? The U.S. Department of Justice says we are going to give you a deferred prosecution agreement. And we're going to appoint a monitor to, to sit inside your bank to ensure that you're doing what you're supposed to do to live up to the terms of the deferred prosecution agreement and what we've agreed with. I don't see anybody going to jail. What I do see, though, is I see a legal shakedown. I see a legal kleptocracy at work brilliantly because, without exception, almost every major monitorship uh, that's issued by the Department of Justice goes to a law firm or somebody associated with the law firm or accounting firm that has direct personal relationships to those in the SEC or the DOJ who are who are proffering these these monitorships. I spoke earlier about this global laundromat investigation, of which 20 to 80 billion U.S. dollars between 2010 and 2014 flowed out of Russia. This is all at the time when you have Russia under the spotlight because of its military maneuvers in, in the Ukraine, in the Crimea, in Georgia. So there's a lot of focus in there. Not one single financial intelligence unit or one single monitor who's embedded with almost every major bank that uh, was caught with their hands in the cookie jar on this money discovered it. So don't tell me the system is working. It's a complete farce. But again, taxpayers taking it on the chin. Uh, the average investor is taking it on the chin. And that 1% professional class is just paying off the mortgage on the second and third home. And, and, and that's the uh, professional club, uh, kleptocracy, you know, who rules the world, basically. Lawyers, accountants, bankers, uh, or lawyers and accountants, bankers can't do what, uh, what they do without the assistance and guidance of the professional kleptocracy. And that's interesting as we go down the list shall we say of talking points that is really interesting um 
and it's uh, I should also point out too kind of to go back a little bit uh, at the at the epi- at the episode of this I believe that money laundering um and, and you you did a very a very great job money laundering is so poorly understood um and, and there there are far too many armchair experts and too few with actual knowledge you know they're uh, careers rather than operators like yourself um, run the show when it uh, whether it be in the police and military or intel or whatever so uh, folks this is what we're talking about we've got uh, we've only got a bit about a minute left of this segment this is just an amazing education folks about uh, fr- from a man who has been behind the scenes and was in this world of money laundering of, of deceptive practices of the legal, can you just... Yeah, this ties in the corruption uh, from the, the uh, government institutions to the the big banks to the, uh, you know, the criminality in the legal system. I, I want to ask about the Frank Gistro when we, on the other side of the break, if I can. When I say, when I say ask about him, the, the whole operation, you know, as, as painted by, uh, uh, Peter Schweiker, or Schweitzer from, uh, Clinton Cash, I, I kind of want to get, uh, Inspector Micro's take on that. Absolutely, yeah. and and uh, many other things. Um, you know, this is a, a. Some people might find find this topic boring, uh, but us being in dealing with fraud and, and um, other matters as private investigators, I find this stuff fascinating. And the UN and World Bank's, uh, yeah, their contribution to terrorist financing. We we got to talk about that as well. I mean, there's so many institutions and and governments and and you know when you talk about the mergers of the corporate world, the financial world, and the the controllers of all those, the governments who regulate those worlds, and they're working together to conduct criminal activity. You know, while going after you, filling up our prisons for drug offenses and other things, uh, but at the same time giving themselves a free pass while lining their pockets with the money they stole. We'll be right be right back with Inspector Bill Miker after this break. He's the man. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high net worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. 
For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stain by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We've got such a, a knowledgeable guest. I mean, this man is, um, this man has done, I mean, he's lived three lifetimes in his 54 years or so. Um, again, uh, our guest is Inspector Bill Miker, our CMP former. Uh, he's done, He's he's been in behind, I mean, he's investigated the world, shall we say, of, of money laundering and um you know it's it's kind of a broad topic and i i know that there are a lot of people out there kind of scratching their heads and saying wait a minute you know it's a difficult topic to 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 really get into but i think we tend to overthink things and over uh, well we're going to be getting back to inspector miker uh before we do folks again mother's day just it's this weekend or for any occasion you know we love Sherry's Berries. Sherry's Berries is a, is a great company. They, um, uh, they have the, 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 the most succulent strawberries, chocolate covered strawberries, for example. Uh, there's still time right now. Mother's Day is this weekend. There's still time to send mom or your wife or that special person in your life these huge, freshly dipped uh, strawberries starting at 19.99 plus shipping. That's 19.99 plus shipping. And, you can double the berries for just $10 more. You can pick your delivery date, and these berries are guaranteed to arrive fresh and delicious or your money back. We just got to, we just, uh, in fact, my wife, uh, I gave my wife these for um, just being a great wife. That's all. And, and I urge you to do the same thing, whether it's your wife, your mom, your sister, your that special person. Now, these are not your typical gourmet dipped the strawberries. So they're going these will impress and surprise any mom, any that any special person. And, and if sure. I could jump in real quick, sure. I'm interrupt you. But the Sherry's berries, you talk about, uh, you see food advertisements on TV, whether you know it's fast food or whatever, and, and you then you actually go to the place and you get the uh, food, and it looks nothing like the advertisements you see. For those of you who have ordered Sherry's berries in the past, I don't have to tell you, but for those of you who are thinking about it and are looking on the website or whatever. Those things are better 
in person than they even look on the website, and they're huge. So I just wanted to say that. Yeah, it, it, this is fantastic. And uh, again, you can you can get um, the, double the berries for just ten dollars more, and they, they've got uh, another deal that's out there as well. Um, it, it's uh, a, well, folks, visit berries dot com b e r r i e s dot com and enter the code Hagman when you click click on the mic because the only way to get this amazing berries deal starting at nineteen ninety nine is to visit berries dot com. Click on the mic there, enter our code Hagman H A G M A N N, and when you click on the mic, uh, you'll see this amazing deal. This this deal will not last long. Mother's Day is this weekend, so be sure to order now. Take care of that special person. Take care of mom. Take care of her or him or whoever it might be. I urge you to do this. Oh, just thinking about it makes my mouth water. Sherry's Berries at B-E-R-R-I-E-S. That's berries.com. Our code, Hagman. Our guest is uh, Inspector Bill Miker. Um, just to be clear, Inspector Miker, and I don't want to have to go back necessarily, but, but again, we were talking during the break briefly uh, kind of a poor on our part kind of a poor introduction with respect to the questions because i think uh, here i am t- trying to i think i'm overthinking this but you explained it quite well uh, money laundering it's just well what we talked about um it, it's a it's a means or theft is theft today i mean go ahead sir let me, let me take it down to basics. Like I said, many people have made wonderful careers out of BS. Mm. They've been able to uh, take take something and polish it up and make it look so clever when, in fact, everything comes back to basics. And this is something that, that I, I like to point out to investigators and, and general audiences. There's nothing complicated about money laundering. And in fact, it's poorly understood. Money laundering is, is to take it to basics, 99% of the methods that people use to launder money are perfectly legitimate legal methods. There's nothing illegal about buying buying a house. There's nothing illegal about buying a car. It's illegal to use your money to to involved in, in drug trafficking. It's illegal to use your money to go and do a kidnapping. That's an illegal use of your money. But the methods used to launder money typically are very proper, legal, legitimate methods. The real source, the real question is, what is the source of that money? Is that money criminally derived? Is that money lawfully earned money, but it's being, you know, you're hiding it for tax evasion purposes, or you want to use that lawfully earned money for a purpose uh, that is illegal, and so you start creating uh, movements uh, through the through the money laundering process, and and so money laundering, everybody focuses on AML. That's the buzzword, anti money laundering, and again. Every bank has 10,000 people now uh, involved in AML, but none of them understand money laundering. They understand the statutes. They understand what you're supposed to do, but they don't fundamentally understand the elements of crime. And and today, you know, we have a world that's consumed by financial technology. Technology is not the element of a crime. It is simply a medium by which criminals and crime is committed. And again, as I used the analogy during the break, if, if, if I use a rock and bang you over the head, uh, you know, back a thousand years ago, that's, I guess, iron robbery. If I use some high finangle piece of laser technology and 
shoot you and take your money. That's armed robbery uh, with with a high tech device. But the high tech device is irrelevant to the to the actual elements of the crime. And so we tend to to you know make smoke and mirrors about how complicated this is. And and in fact, it's, it comes down to always to the basics. You know, what are the elements of the crime? And and you know something else I should add. I mean, it's nothing that I you know, probably want to to uh, I don't want to discourage people, but typically when it comes to financial crime, we do not catch the smart guys. We simply don't. Uh, the few times that we do catch the smart uh, financial criminal uh, or, or money launderer is because we got lucky, uh, we got a break, or typically it's through an informant, uh, an angry spouse or ex-business partner, or sometimes people you know become born again and they need to cleanse themselves, but that's pretty rare. So that's typically how we catch the smart guys. So most of our money laundering and financial crime knowledge and case law and, and you know, through the courts is based on the dumb people we catch. And, and so, you know, and by the time these dumb people get through the court process, it could be two or three years later. And at that point in time, that's when many regulators say, ha-ha, this is common typology about how people are doing financial crime or money laundering. So you, Mr. Bank Compliance uh, Officer and people, you need to start checking for this. You need to instill in your regime the methods to to, to catch this type of uh, criminal activity. And again, the problem is it's based on the dumb people and it's based on something that's probably two or three years old. Fascinating. All right. Wow. And again, folks, uh, uh this is uh, to me this is one of the most important topics especially today given given all the uh, uh the issues with respect to, to money and you know money is the lifeblood of well politics and, and such uh inspector Micah, what about the un world bank we hear they contribute or they do contribute to, to uh terrorist financing and and there there's an article um that describes this. In fact, we're going to link it on our on our uh, program description. But uh, can you get into, for example, UN World Bank terrorist financing, um, Gaddafi, Libya, UN donor aid money, and such? Can you, can you get into that as, as to the extent you you can? Sure, no, I'm happy to do so. Like I said, you know, money money uh, you know money follows the path of least resistance, and and you know as I go into this. You know, I, I love the quote by you know the English uh, writer Francis Bacon, where you know where he says, "If money is not thy servant, then it's thy master," and that's why so many different organizations have been corrupted, and why individuals within those organizations are susceptible uh, to to greed, power, ego. Uh, you know, and again, money money really is at the at the heart of so much of it. In the case of uh, you know Gaddafi. Was uh, was toppled from power and executed in 2011. Uh, in 2014, I got contacted. I'd retired from government already, but I, I got contacted by a former colleague who was looking at doing an asset recovery of 240 million dollars belonging to or purportedly belonging to Gaddafi that had surfaced in Abidjan in the Ivory Coast uh, of Africa. So I was asked, would I uh, be willing to to go in to the Ivory Coast and meet with uh, 
these military people who had control over this uh, over this money. And so I said, okay, sure, why not? And and so I I went into uh, Abidjan, uh, literally six months after the civil war ended. So lots of uh, lots of soldiers around and, and troops. Um, and so I, I get in there, and the story was that this money was sitting in a bonded warehouse uh, at the airport. It it was wrapped in uh, in crates. It was in these uh, crates, uh, probably about two feet high, from about five feet in length, and it contained uh, 100 U.S. 100 dollar bills, all clean bills. In fact, we were able to confirm that the bills were indeed issued by the Federal Reserve. So. The only problem is that, that those bills, uh, they're saying it was Gaddafi's money. Uh, when he was executed, uh, people took the money out of, out of Libya and, and take it to safe place. And so now these so-called uh, government military officials in Ivory Coast uh, had their hands on this money, and they were looking to launder it. And they uh, were willing to pay a 40% laundering fee uh, to get this cash out of the Ivory Coast and and into bank accounts where they could have it. So I went there. There were some uh, some middlemen in the middle, obviously, and and I met with uh, these officials. And and the money indeed was in these steel crates. It was in uh, the the seal of Libya, and then the money was real. So they uh, they said look at we have this in the bonded warehouse it's, we're showing the goods these crates as being emeralds from mali and you know to get it out of the bonded warehouse you you have to pay uh, a customs duty and and i said okay no problem and we were looking at how we were going to get the money out how we were going to launder it and so i went i went through that uh, with these fellows you know we were we were going to fly the rent a private plane fly it out uh, into malta uh, and and that was one one way. Another way in discussion with them is that most of Africa, certainly in West Africa, and again, Ivory Coast just went through a civil war six months earlier. Most people don't have bank accounts. It's a cash-based society. So that's why the UN, as part of its donor aid money, says, look, we'll we'll put uh, money into your central bank, and you can use that to stimulate uh, the economy. A lot of cocoa and other agricultural uh, goods are produced, again, cash-based, so we, we provide this uh, this assistance. What was happening is these corrupt uh, officials, and some with links to uh, Islamic terrorism, in fact, the, the, the middleman was uh, from Sudan. Uh, I had to have uh, $2 million of kidnap insurance when I went in there because they knew I was, quote, banker Bill, and, and so there was a very real threat of, of kidnapping because, uh, you know, could have just been, that was the whole purpose. But in fact, it really, there was real money. It was $80 million sitting in a, in a, in a big box. And, and then they said, look, we want you to pay us $1.5 million to get it out of bond. I said, no problem. When it's on the back of the plane, I'll give you $2 million. And, and they said, no, nah, we kind of need it beforehand. I said, well, no, it, it's going to come after. And that's when the penny dropped because I also noticed that the soldiers who were there guarding that money uh, were also the same soldiers who I observed earlier uh, guarding the central bank of Abidjan. It's the same uniform, different uniforms for different duties, I guess. And and so I put two and two together that this was actually uh, the UN donor aid money that 
was being used in a bait and switch scheme to sucker people into paying these sort of advance fees uh, uh, to get it out. But again, this was a, a, a significant problem. But along the way, when before we knew at the end that this was a fraud, I'd already got a, uh, a bank in one of the GCC, uh, that's one of the, the main Arabic uh, countries, 20% they would launder the money into uh, into their banking system, charge 20%, would even get a private plane to fly it out. And, you know, about a year earlier, I was asked to assist uh, another another government because there was $13 billion of uh, money and, and gold uh, supposedly belonging to Gaddafi that had uh, surfaced in uh, in Mali. And And so I flew to Saudi Arabia, actually. And I went into a meeting with uh, the ownership level of a very large Islamic bank. And we didn't know, you know, all we knew was the money was from Gaddafi. I uh, went through a negotiation. They didn't want, I said, look, if we can get this money, um, what's the what's the fee to put it into the system? Well, we don't want to bring it directly into Saudi. Uh, we can bring it into a, into a, an affiliate bank in, in United Arab Emirates. And the laundering fee on that was going to be 30% of which I would have uh, got my cut. Um, the, we actually had somebody who was uh, very close with the ruler of Saudi at that time. Not that he was, uh, he was a North African French fellow, uh, who was the one who was bringing the opportunity. And so I was there to verify and validate it. And, and again, the, the reason we didn't get to the next step, the, the Libyan colonel uh, who had conduct uh, a control over that uh, was stuck in Aleppo in Syria. This was just before, it, you know, the, the civil war had started in, in Syria, but it hadn't quite gone full circle. But he got basically uh, stuck in Aleppo. And and then I, I flew out uh, out of uh, Saudi. I was I was I wasn't in one of the major cities. I was actually in eastern Saudi Arabia. And and I flew out. And then the very next day. The very next day, uh, by pure coincidence, the U.S. Uh, Senate Standing uh, Committee on Investigations had come out with their report, uh, which was the report that was used to fine HSBC for $1.9 billion for engaging in, in criminal money laundering, mostly out of Mexico, but also for their involvement with uh, facilitating uh, money flows from Islamic uh, banking institutions that were directly linked to financing Al Qaeda. So people think that this this only happens from afar. I'm just one guy, and and I was coming across this uh, you know with almost regularity. And one of the reasons I I've stopped it or slowed down is is my wife's ability getting too old to keep doing this. I enjoy the challenge, and it, to me it was fun. But uh, now I think it's it's somebody else's turn to to go take those risks. And and but you know education is the key. But anybody who thinks that this world doesn't exist is, uh, is sadly deluded. And, and this, to me, is one of the problems that we have in the world today, especially in America and Canada, you know, where we have these wonderful democracies. The problem is too many good people, too many good people see the world as they want it to be, not as it really is. That, I, I, that statement right there, folks, says it all. And I mean that. And, and Inspector Micker, if you went rogue, um, my goodness, he he could probably buy an island and uh, 
Wow. I, I, okay. Oh, wow. It's just amazing. Yeah, too many people see the world as they as they want it to be, not as it is. There it is, right there. I, I'd asked earlier about the um, Frank Juicer, the Clinton uh, Juicer Charity uh, Canada, and you touched on this earlier. Canada is is really the breeding ground there for. Um, Again, it represents a soft underbelly in the fight against global crime and terrorism. You know, lawyers, corrupt legal system, and such. Um, can we can we talk a little bit about the uh, well about the Clinton Geostra Geostra charity that that uh, author Peter uh, Swiker uh, talked about in Clinton Cash? Um, any experience with him? And to the extent you can talk about that, your investigation of or your knowledge about the Clinton charity. Just a char- charity. Well, you know, I got to be a little bit circumspect here. Okay. Um, you know, things that I learned during my time with uh, with the RCMP, both from informants and and from others, that precludes me from from disclosing it. Um, but uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, you know my experience in life is that where there's smoke, there's typically fire, and you know, it goes back to what I had said earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, what makes Canada so attractive to global terrorists and organized crime groups are the features of strong privacy laws, strong trust laws, uh, strong stable banking system, solicitor client privilege, uh, uh, the exemption of lawyers uh, on, on reporting, the exemption of charities. Uh, you know, they have very uh, lax uh, reporting requirements. And we have very weak criminal enforcement laws. That was the other thing I forgot to mention earlier. We have horribly weak uh, uh, criminal laws. And typically, our government takes the view, or Canadian government takes the view, that financial crime is not a crime of violence. And so let's uh, let's send you to uh, to a club fed and uh, just say your story three times, and and all will be forgiven. That's really the the, the basic essentials. Uh, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that. Washington, D.C. and Ottawa, like probably many capital cities, have one thing in common. They are roughly about 50 square miles surrounded by reality. And so you have the people within those uh, in those cities who, who create policy, create legislation, and they are only as good as the people that fund and support them. And so that's why you have these opportunities for organizations to say, okay, if I want to set up, just like the fellow who I met from Mossack Fonseca, about the benefit of foundations, the benefit of jurisdiction, you know, equals freedom. You know, offshore United States is Canada. All offshore means is across the border. But it's a different legal system. It creates a different jurisdiction. I always found it strange why the person who is the president of the United States, he's your head of government, your head of state, why wouldn't he proudly... Why wouldn't he proudly say, my charity is in America? It's an American charity. Yes, the foundation is there. Uh, why do you go to Canada? I understand Frank Juster's there, and he's a Canadian. But Frank Juster's a very smart man. Uh, he's made a lot of money uh, because he's a smart guy. And he understands the, the ability uh, to use what tools you have available to you. And so for the purposes of the of the Juster Clinton or Clinton Juster uh, charity. Um, again, people can make their own assumptions as to what was the motivation, but you know there was a reason why uh, President Clinton set up 
his name charity in another country, as far as I'm concerned. And and folks, again, um, you know, Inspector Miker is being very, very measured, very cautious, rightfully so. But 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 there it is. I mean, there is a reason. So enough said on that. Okay. So, um, wow. Okay. Yeah, we we've only got precious few minutes left, uh, Inspector. Uh, we're to, to wrap this up, and I do hope you'll come back again. This is such a, a huge topic, but a hugely important topic as well. To to, to kind of wrap this up, um, final thoughts here in the next uh, five six minutes. Here, what are your final thoughts on this? But well, you know, I. I, I think that, as I said earlier, there, there are a lot of good people uh, out there who just need to be informed. And the problem is you, you hear something a hundred times on the media, whether it's accurate or true or not, people tend to, to believe in it. I, I go by some very simple uh, truisms in life. You know, don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see. Yeah. You've had on, uh, on your show, and I, I really enjoyed watching Kevin Shipp, uh, talking about uh, particularly the deep state. And I saw a lot of resonance there in, in what I saw in my lifetime uh, in Canada and elsewhere. And, and there is a real world, uh, and there's, there's circles within circles. And, and again, I don't subscribe to this vast global conspiracy uh, that there's one guiding light at the top. But I think people have to ask uh, basic questions. They have to challenge orthodoxy. Just because somebody says it is so doesn't make it so. And so, you know, there there are in law enforcement and in intelligence and in military uh, people who who have the experience, but they don't necessarily have the outlets to start uh, sharing that experience. And, and many of them, like myself, are under fairly strict confidentiality agreements, uh, secrecy agreements that could be uh, punitive. I am under no illusions uh, that that governments today don't exist for the people. They exist for themselves. And, you know, when people come to, to looking at, uh, you know, financial matters, some of your investors uh, who happen to be listening, you know, there are two basic things that you should understand. You know, everything in in the financial markets typically is either an instrument of ownership which means it's like a stock. I own shares in a company. I have ownership. Or it's an instrument of debt. Oh, somebody wants to borrow money. It's a bond. Okay, this is an interesting investment return. Okay. So if you as an investor can't tell the difference between whether you're investing in an instrument of ownership or an instrument of debt, perhaps you shouldn't be making that investment. And, and again, the world has not changed in 10,000 years in the, in the sense of human behavior, human emotion, and, and the triggers uh, that get people to, 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 to do what they need to do. Financial products are being created every day for the simple reason that banks and institutions have to offer something a bit different. But it's always based on some underlying element. And so people need to not be fooled by, by what they're hearing. You know, last thing I'll say on this, my career in undercover, there's nothing magical about undercover. Uh, just like a magician doesn't actually do real magic. It's all an illusion. And, and my career 
you know, undercover is really the grand illusion. And the financial marketplace today is made up of people who would have had a great career in undercover because they are master illusionists. That's amazing. This has been such an educational interview, uh, Inspector Miker. My goodness. And, and folks, check out the program description and also the, on our website, HagmanReport.com. I, I, we do hope you'll come back. Um, and, and again, this is an introduction to our audience, but come back, please, and talk more Love about to. this. Love to. Thank you. You're, Thank you so much. You really Thank are you. an amazing man. Folks, we're going to be right back. Uh, man, that was fantastic. There shall be greater tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com. Masterpreps.com. Wow. Masterpreps.com, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from cooking utensils, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Chang Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to AP major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Journeys kit at www.changepersonwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. My honor, my distinct honor and pleasure to, to to bring on my daughter Jackie Hagman. She's a she's really a marketing uh, person, and uh, also deals with uh, 
deals with uh, our sponsors. And, you know, speaking of sponsors, guys, ladies, look, Mother's Day is this weekend. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there's, but, but wait, but wait, guys, especially guys, and, and you know how we put stuff off. Well, i got to tell you something. There's still time to send mom, your wife, your, your daughter, whoever, that special person in your life, Sherry's Berries, huge freshly dipped strawberries to mom, starting at nineteen ninety nine plus shipping. That's right. There's still time. nineteen ninety nine plus shipping. They're, the Sherry's Berries are huge. They're sweet. They're juicy. They're covered in decadent toppings. And even though you waited until the last minute, yes, you waited to the last minute, we have an exclusive offer for you. You can double the berries for mom for just $10 more and, and get this guy, and listen, she's going to get free cake truffles too. Oh, free cake truffles. You can pick your $19.99 plus shipping and, and yeah, you waited the last minute, guys. I know. But double the berries for mom for just $10 more and when you do that, we're going to throw in something absolutely extra special. She'll get free cake truffles, too. Pick your desired delivery date, plus your satisfaction is guaranteed or your money back. You know, when we got our, when my wife got hers, I should say, uh, I was absolutely surprised. I thought they were chocolate-covered apples. I'm kidding, but, man, they were huge, and they tasted so fresh. I, I just, how do you describe fresh? I don't know. But the packaging, the, the the appearance, all one, just a class act. This is why I love this company. I mean, they've gotten me out of so many jams. The only way you get this amazing berries deal, by the way, starting at just nineteen ninety nine plus shipping, is to visit berries b e r r i e s dot com. Click on the microphone top right hand corner. Use my code word Hagman. Then double the berries for mom and get free cake truffles before they run out. That right there should have you scrambling for berries.com and using our code word or code Hagman when you click on the mic. This amazing deal will not last long. Mother's Day is this weekend, so be sure to order now the cake truffles, man. That that's just icing on the cake. That's just that's just topping on the berries. That is. You know, we've got a we've got a kind of a fun thing. Look, you know, the news has been so heavy, guys. And, and just everything so heavy. We had a, we, this was a fantastic show. The economic cohesion of that of today's show. Gerald Salani talking about the, the what he sees going forward, and then of course Inspe- Inspector Micker. And by the way, thank you Brent Bolesky, and thank you John Robertson. You know, I was I, I don't know about you guys, but I was like really. Joe and I were talking to the, during the breaks to, to the inspector, and. Just the amazing historical information. This ties everything together. And, you know, money is at the root of everything. It ties it all together. And Inspector Micah was, I mean, he, Bill, you know, Bill McDonald, his, uh, his undercover name. And I know some Christians will say, well, uh, yeah, hey, oh, get rid of life. This is reality as it is. But but the news has been so heavy. Let's have fun. Come on, let's have fun. Meet meet Jackie. You know Jackie from uh, people at Chicago were saying, "Where's Jackie?" Heard a lot of that. Yeah, where's Jackie? It's like okay, where's Eric the Tech? I mean, where's Jackie? Well, here she is. Jackie, thanks yeah. for thanks for joining us. I know you had a busy day. Uh, actually, she's moving. Uh, uh, but anyway, um, 
I've been up since four in the morning. That's right. That's right. See, no rest for uh, for you. So, okay, we have a special for our listening audience. Look, folks, again, it's the news is heavy, but let's have a little bit of fun here. We have a special for our listening audience. We're giving away certificates for Sherry's Berries. You're going to want to do this. You're going to want to get involved in this contest. Tell us about it, honey. Okay, well, do you remember the last contest we had? I do, yeah. The President's Contest? It's mm-hmm. kind of like the same thing, except it's a Mother's Day thing, and it's... Um, let's have fun. Yeah. Okay. So what do we do? So what we're going to do is we are going to kind of do the same thing what we did last time, but not really. Um, We're going to have you guys send in some good stories that you have with you and your mom, but you're going to email them to studio at Hagman and Hagman. Hagman Hagman and Hagman.com. Right. Studio at Hagman and Hagman.com. Make sure the subject line is Mother's Day. If the subject line is not Mother's Day, I'm not going to open it. That's right. See? I will skip Shame it. Shame on you. So the subject and you won't line Mother's win. Day. And, and not only that, we're going to come drive to your house and yell at you. Mother's Day in the subject line for the, for this contest. That's, okay. Email it to studio at Hagman and Hagman.com. Gotcha. All right. So, so what do we do? So all you got to do is send me an email about any embarrassing or awkward story you have with your mom. <laughs> Come on. Like any or any like sort of like trouble that you got in or trouble that you got out of. Yeah, anything like that. So, okay. Tr- embarrassing moments with mom. I, I or... have a good one. Okay, yeah, tell me about it. Okay. I'm I don't not know. sure. I'm not sure if I know this. I don't know if my mom remembers this, but I remember this. Okay, so it was probably Six or seven years ago, around Christmas time. Right. And I wanted a pair of boots for Christmas. I remember this. It was a certain pair of boots that I really wanted. (laughs) And I asked her for them, and she was like, oh, you've got to wait and see, whatever. Um, And one day, okay, normally I do not snoop for presents. I'm not a snooper. Yes, she is. Yes, I am. I'm a, I'm a big snooper. I still snoop. Do but, not. But, don't. Yeah. But this time, I, I was very harmlessly going to my mom's laptop. I had to use it for some reason. And I swear, I would admit it if I was snooping. I was not snooping this time. Um, and she left her email up, and I may or may not have seen <laughs> a receipt for said boots that I wanted. And so what I did was I got really excited and I took a picture of it on my phone. This was before I had an iPhone. I took a picture of it and I meant to send it to my friend and say, I got the boots that I wanted. And guess who I sent it to? Not my friend. I sent it to my mom and she got pretty mad at me. Are you snooping? And that's yeah. But I, I, really and I wasn't, remember though. that. I wasn't snooping. No, of course not. I wasn't. That's I would admit it. If I was, to, right? But I was not. So, folks, you get the you get the idea, right? And you get the idea when we say embarrassing moments. You get the idea. Oh, let's make it fun, though. So, send just a. You don't have to. You don't have to write a novel. Just a paragraph or two, right? And, yeah. and now, how no, how do we select the with the winners, if if we get you know a gazillion uh, entries, how do, how do we select them? What criteria are we going to use? Mm-hmm. I want to feel the embarrassment. I want to feel secondhand embarrassment. 
<laughs> from your story. If my face turns red when I read your story, you will win. And we will be. I'll be watching. We'll be. That's right. I'll sit here with the the red gauge meter. And <laughs> my face turns red really easily. Mm-hmm. See. Yeah. Okay. And, and, the, and here's the thing. Okay. And I just want to say something a little bit, a uh, little bit more in general. You get the idea for this contest, and this is this is compliments of Sherry's Berries, Berries dot com. And I read you the, the offer earlier, but you know what makes this uh, spoke at the beginning of the program. We have a we really have a new mandate. We're, we're out there. We're, we're, we want to make a difference. We want to make a difference. Are the time for talking? And I remember Chicago, Russ Dizdar standing up and in, uh, in his in his talk, and he said, "You know what? If somebody shows me another video about the problems or uh, another article or whatever, you know, we have to stop talking and start doing. And that's that's where we're at here. We are your voice, and you're going to see some things happen this week, in the weeks ahead." That are going to make you say, "Wow, they're really on the tip of the spear going forward and making changes and actually causing changes to be made." That's where we're at today. The time for talking, we're still going to we're still going to give you the information, but the time for just talking is over. And you might ask, "Well, what are you going to do?" Well, we're not going to telegraph our plans ahead of time. The fact is, we have investigative bodies of investigators or groups of investigators, I should say. Uh, that are out there in the field, uh, we are we are going to be making the difference. But here's here's the key: it is sponsors that keep, and of course you, the listener, the people who support us, that make this possible. So this is giving back to you. This is giving back to you, so we can exist, grow, and continue forward and make a difference. And I'm glad you're I'm glad you're doing this. So. Again, let's go over the contest rules and notes again. Okay. Send me an email. Mm-hmm. Studio at HagmanandHagman.com. Mother's Day as the subject line. If it's not Mother's Day, I will skip over it because we're going to get a lot of emails and I can't go through the ones that aren't for the contest. Um, so make sure. Studio at HagmanandHagman.com. Mother's Day as the subject line. Tell me your most embarrassing, awkward story or a story where you got in trouble. Preferably nothing illegal. No, nothing illegal, nothing, you know. Unless it has a happy ending. Or if it's, you know, kind of a mistake. Right. Yeah. And that's really it. And then it's for $50, right? You would have to ask me that, right? I, I, I'm pretty actually, sure. I'm pretty the sure certificates they're each for are in my dollars. office. The certificates are in and my office. And there's four. Yes. Yeah. And Sweet. I will be going through them tomorrow. So you have all night to to go down memory lane and think about your stories. A lot of people listen to the show archive rather than live. What would be the cutoff time for the? Um. Say noon Eastern tomorrow. All right. That, that makes that makes sense, yeah. and, and you know, yeah, that makes sense. And, and tell your friends about this uh, this contest as well, because let them enter. You know, if you don't have a, an, an embarrassing story, maybe maybe your family member who doesn't listen does, and they can start listening to that. So this is a good way to this is a good way to promote this show and uh, the information to awaken others. 
and it, it really is. It also doesn't have to be your mother. Like it could be a mother figure, or sure, sure, your grandmother or whoever you celebrate Mother's Day with. Doesn't have to be biological mother. You know, you know, r- real quick story. Since we're kind of just having fun today, coming back from Chicago, I got to tell you this story. It's two minutes at the at most. Uh, we're kind of going through Indiana, and uh, Joe's driving, and we're going through. It's uh, Joe's driving. We're in an SUV kind of type vehicle, and in the passenger seat is uh, John Robertson, our program director, producer, and uh, I'm in the back seat because usually I ride in the back seat, right? No, I'm kidding, but anyway, I was just exhausted, so I decided to lay down, and I, I was laying against the door with my head on my on kind of the window. You know how you do it in the back seat, just lay down for, take a rest. So we're going through Indiana and we're kind of talking a little bit and, and, uh, all of a sudden I hear this siren in the, I mean, uh, siren. And Joe's looks in the rear view mirror and says, oh, here comes a police, police well, car. No. We're, we're getting pulled over. Okay. In Indiana, when we were driving through Indiana, and this really aggravated me because going there, it took, <laughs> it took, um, a, a lot longer than it should have, but, there's so much construction on the the I-80, I-90. It's to the point where every time you got out of a construction zone, there was a digital sign immediately after you passed the cones and at the end of the cones that said, left lane closed, construction four miles ahead. <laughs> Through the whole state of Indiana, I'm talking like 20 different construction zones, lasting miles at a time. So <laughs> you have cones in the and it looked like the construction was already done. It looked like all they had to do is maybe you know paint a few lines on the sides of the roads. And then get the cones out of there. Well, they had the no one's the, working. The man. cones in the middle of the road, and during one of the construction zones, uh, so you have the the left lane closed on, on both coming and going east and right, west, right? And so that leaves one lane. So there's a cop that was driving on the inside during the construction zones. So he's in the left lane, you know, circling around, making sure you know nobody's speeding, looking for violations, and making sure that people are. are uh, you know, because construction zones, they have big fines for people who are speeding, driving recklessly, whether uh-huh. people are working or not. <clears throat> so this this police car, I didn't, you couldn't tell it was a police car at first. It was pretty, um, they did a pretty good job of, you know, the lights were inside on the back window just above the trunk, no markings. Um, sneaky, sneaky, But you sneaky. can tell, I, I knew it was a cop. And I looked at, at the speedometer because he was in the left lane and I was in the in the right lane again. And I was only going maybe 60 miles an hour. And we just got done with the with the zone there, and I passed the cop, and the speed limit's like seventy, so I, I wasn't even going sixty five. And you know, the, I'm passing the cop, I'm passing the cop, and as soon as I get just a little bit above the cop, he hits the lights and, and gets right behind me. And, and the old man's like, "What did you do?" And I looked <laughs> yeah, at the speed limit, and I wasn't even I wasn't even going the speed limit, so I I, I figured it wasn't. Um, Anything I did. I said, you're in trouble now. And he, okay, here, here's the punchline. So he, he pulls Joe over, and uh, uh, it, it, I don't know. He was in his car for like 30, 45 seconds before he even got out. And he, you know, so Joe rolled his window down, and I don't know why. I just rolled my window down too. I, I guess I wanted to hear Joe get yelled at. Why? It, why? Why? What? He, well, it's just for entertainment. But see, here's the thing: he didn't go into the driver's window; he went to my window, and he looked at me and said, "Can I see your identification?" 
I like it for what? Yeah, yeah. Oh, huh? Me? You, no, I think you're, you, you need the next window. Huh? And he said, no, yours. And, and John said, for a minute there, I thought this is going to be a Hagman takedown, you know? And I, and I, I said, what do I do? I'm not even driving. He said, uh, you ain't wearing your seatbelt. And in Indiana, it's, you got, you got to wear your seatbelt. I'm sorry, man. You know, and he was a very, very extremely nice, uh, police officer. Extremely nice. But yeah, can you believe that? I wasn't even driving and I get in trouble. Then my dad littered and threw a book out the window. Uh, not really. Dad, no, don't no. you ever. No, litter. I did not, I did no, not litter. Okay, that's no, a, that's, that's, that's an inside joke. Um, and I'm, Actually, it's an inside joke, and I'm not going to say any more because I don't want anyone to get in trouble. But no, it's, it, it was he was a very nice man, very nice police officer. But but so the, if you're out there driving through Indiana, yeah, you, you, even if you're in the back seat, you better Click not get or ticket. That's right. So I here I I got fined, or I'm going to get fined, or I or they're going to. Yeah, I, I thought know. the funniest part of the whole thing, uh, except from that, really messed wanted with to my talk head. to you was saying if you choose to pay it. Something yeah. like as if you're not coming back or whatever, if you choose to pay. Well, of course, you know. So, no, yeah. I'm not going to be a scofflaw. What's that song? Indiana wants me. I can't go back there. No. It's, uh, but, but seriously, so folks driving through Indiana, man, they're serious about that. You know, knock on wood, I have never gotten pulled over driving. Ever. Okay. Knock on wood. Now, now here it comes tonight on the way back from the studio. When you go home from the studio, uh, I'm going to call my police officer friends and. I'll make sure. What are you driving? I'm <laughs> I was terrified, though, today because when I was moving, I have two cats, one dog, and a fish tank. And I tried to get them all in one car and make one trip and take them all with me. And I had my friend with me. <laughs> she was in the passenger seat holding my two cats, and I was holding my dog as I was, as I was driving. And the fish tank was in the back hoping that it wasn't going to spill or knock over or anything. Wow. And as we were driving, we didn't you have didn't our... empty the fish tank? We of did. Of course. I mean, not all the way, but it okay. was like halfway. And as I was driving up the road, there was a police car who was driving very slow in front of me. And neither one of us had our seatbelts on. And I probably shouldn't have said that, but I did. But anyways... Um, well, you were in for you. Indiana, you know? Yeah, but thankfully... He didn't stop me or anything, or else I would have, I don't know, gotten, like, reckless driving or something, an- animal endangerment or something. I don't know. You know, I have crates at home for pets that uh, if you find yourself needing to transport cats again, I'll bring you the crates. Okay. If that ever <laughs> happens. But, it, it, folks, isn't my isn't my daughter just adorable, okay? And, of course, uh, very proud of my family. Very, very proud of my family. Jackie Hagman and, of course, Joe Hagman. God bless them both. And you know what? In this day, and as we as we approach uncertain times, as we are in these uncertain times, you know, families are the most important. And I think everyone really needs to needs to really take take stock and what how lucky we all are. If you have family, how lucky we are. If you have those special friends, no, not those kind. You know what I'm talking about? If you've got friendship, the friends you can count, you know, on, on perhaps one hand. Um, you're very fortunate. If you've got someone in your life who cares about you, you're very fortunate. And one thing I've seen is just the bitterness from people. Oh my goodness! I was I, I, the, the um, in my in my personal view, the uh, person uh, that 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 uh, 
was on a recent uh, talk radio show who made uh, alleged accusations of suggested sexual harassment against Sean Hannity. To, to see, I just uh, the reason I bring this up is I'm, the vitriol behind. Where is the civility? Where where is civility gone? And and why are so many people so angry? You know, it, it, it makes me wonder. Um, I just. Uh, yeah, and Jackie, I think you said something about that. You know, people seem to be a lot angrier these days, and right? I mean, it just where is the? Okay, didn't we say at the beginning of this that we were going to have fun? Yeah, I'm sorry. And I now take, I take us down that bad road. Everybody's <laughs> angry. Well, no, and, and but but I guess the, the takeaway from this is it's all good. I mean. If if you have a person, people in your life that you love, it's it's all good, and who love you, it's all good. And Sherry Spear is coming through for a lot of people. Enter that, enter the contest. It, it, this is our gift to you, and Sherry Berries uh, is the per, is the company that's doing this. So we're very happy about that. But again, beautiful family, beautiful daughter. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can get angry. I get angry all the time. Well, no, I, I'm I, angry all the time. But 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 you know what? All the time. You're not not the smile thinking. is actually really not real. It's painful. Yeah, she's not telling the truth. But but no, I, I'm talking about the. Um, it, we we have, we have a lot to be thankful for. We are very blessed, and all of us. If if you're if you're alive, even if you've got troubles here and there, you know it's such a blessing if you've got family and if you've got people to depend on. And like like I've got uh, here at the studio, and I just want to say thank you both. Thank you, Joe, and thank you, Jackie, and of course, thank you, Tech Eric, thank you, John Robertson, thank you, everybody, thank you, all the listeners and viewers out there for being part of our, our, our show, and you have no idea, and thank you to each one of the people we met in Chicago. Wish I could have gone. Yeah. That would have been fun. Many people asked about you, so. Um, I like Chicago. We are available, by the way, for your church conferences to speak, and uh, so just uh, send an email there, and uh, <laughs> we'll bring our best uh, presentations with us. You see, when we were in Chicago, there was a a shooting. Ten people were shot at a memorial for another man who was shot earlier in the day. This all happened on Sunday. Go figure, right? But, you know, the reporting is um, you don't see the urgency uh, they're, they're finally, uh, Judge put something up about the um, alert. There was a bulletin put out by Chicago police. They issued a bulletin on gangs and high-powered weapons and ammunition that were able to pierce, uh, that are armor-piercing and able to, uh, you know, go through the vest. Chicago police issued a bulletin Monday about its officers uh, and gangs armed with high-powered weapons after three people were shot to death over the weekend, including two attending a memorial for an earlier victim. Two more were killed at the memorial. Eight were shot. Um, 10 total so uh, this is you know Chicago gun free um, but the shooting left, earlier in the day left one man dead and two others were killed eight people injured in a spray of more than two dozen shots from two guns while attending a makeshift memorial for there another victim from earlier in the day the suspect said uh, the police suspect they were all shot by members of a rival street gang in the same neighborhood on Chicago's southwest side and we, interesting, we, interestingly we enough bother. Chicago has a uh, a list in their city of 1,500 of, of people who they deem, whether because of factors such as criminal records or gang ties, they're on a list of the cities most likely to commit gun violence or be targeted by it. 
the man who was killed earlier in the day and the two people killed at the memorial were all on the list. Interesting. Kind of like pre-crime, but not necessarily... No, well, there it is. But I just ten people. Was, uh, we didn't hear nothing on the news while we were there, and not that we were sitting around watching the news. Well, well, hey, Rom, how's that? No gun working out for you there, Rom. You know, Rom Emanuel. You know, big sign, Chicago. Welcome to Chicago, Mayor Rom Emanuel. Welcomes you. Oh, by the way, you know, better get your bulletproof vest on, right? Um, folks, I want to again thank you for joining us, Jackie. Let's play it out. Uh, what does that mean? Play it out. Huh, we'll do it live. No. <laughs> I don't understand what it means. Play it out. We'll do it live. Uh, no. Uh, see, we're back. We're back. And it's going to be a great week. Our thanks to Gerald Seleni and our thanks to Inspector Bill Michael, uh, Miker. Uh, and Brent Bolesky, thank you. And John Robertson, thank you. Jackie, let's play it out with respect to contest rules again. Go for it. First of all, we can never do that ever again. Second of all, that's very embarrassing. Okay. Wait a minute, what was? The way you just did. <laughs> What'd I do? Whatever. I don't know. I don't know what that was. I don't know what that means. To play, or you whatever sound like that Bill was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't know? <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I was making fun of Bill O'Reilly. Oh, I don't. I'm sorry. I'll show you after the show. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry about that. All right. That, anyways. <laughs> I'm sorry. So this is the uh, this is what's going on with the Sherry's Berries promotional um, contest giveaway for four certificates. You can get a certificate by emailing studio at Hagman and Hagman dot com. And you have to put mother or Mother's Day in the Mother's subject line. Day. Mother's Day. And then there's some. Uh, you can't just send an email with um, Mother's Day in the subject. You also have to have a story. A good story. Any awkward, embarrassing, or troublesome story where you get in trouble or just just awkward like my Christmas present story that was awkward yeah, you know I still remember that it was when I was in college too so that was a long time ago yeah that was 20 years ago I was in college 20 years ago no don't make me feel that old <laughs> I'm kidding no and, and you get the idea we're going to look for your emails and, and thank you Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for being part of our listening audience. Thank you so much for being part of what I believe is, is really a, a resurgence of hope, of, of, of action. This week is uh, going to be, uh, it's going to knock your socks off this week. I want to thank John Robertson for his uh, coming to, to this part of the country and uh, working with us as well. Yeah, he's currently uh, experiencing a little culture shock. As well as, what time is it and what day is it? Yeah. Well, we're all there. I mean, it was a long weekend to, to, to work, you know, the week and then having to travel and then you don't get any time. You come back, you right, jump right back into it. We're going to be putting some 12, 10 hours, pictures. 12 hours after you get back. Yeah. We're going to be putting some, some pictures, pictures some videos. Yeah. There was a baptism there. We got some video uh, videos of that. Uh, we also have some snippets from... Um, the talks that we both gave separately and uh, you know John gave a presentation Russ Pastor Paul it was great uh, it was really good it's going to be the DVD is going to be awesome I can't wait to, to watch the DVD and um, it's something that we're going to do again in the future and Pastor Paul's putting something in the works he wants to do one one or two at least every year um, with us and, and we'd be happy to do that 
Do, do me a favor as well. Okay, can you just, uh, if you're listening and if you're so inclined, send Gerald Salenti a thank you email for appearing on our show. Please. Okay. All right, and that will do it for us tonight. Uh, don't forget to check HagmanReport.com for all the news. And the, the, this week on the Hagman Report, or this week on Hagman and Hagman is up there already under the old radio on the right hand side. And until tomorrow, stay safe. God bless. We will be back then. Have a good day.